Welcome back to Two Track Mind Podcasts. I'm Liam Toms. With me as always is... Edward Crawley. Also with us, the fifth Beatle, or the sixth member of Canada Water. He's my partner in crime on St. November Records. Uh, he's an award-winning photographer. He was formerly our tour manager, and he's our third track mind tonight, Sir Thomas of Clark. Oh, thank you for that intro, Liam. And hello, Edward. Right. Did, I, did I cover everything there? Yeah, I think you covered it all off. I can't think of anything cool. else you can add into that. I, I, when I practiced it in the week, I did it a lot quicker. I had to slow down then to remember all the different things that I put together for that. I, have I, have I missed something here, Liam? <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't know what you mean. Well, you, you text me saying, great, great guest uh, coming on this evening, Tom Clark. I did a little Google. I was like, well, who the hell's that? Uh, and I had frontman of the popular indie rock band, The Enemy. You know, easy mistake that. And you've lined up this uh, this fella here. Yeah, same thing happened to me in uh, in 2008. The first time I met Clark, um, <laughs> we were at um, Ibar, as it was then on Holden Nurse Road, now the Anvil. Well, it's not anything currently, unfortunately. Um, and someone said to me, "Would you like to meet Tom Clark?" <laughs> and I said, and you, "Yeah, he's he's uh, he's on the front cover of Enemy this week." <laughs> and uh, I walked over and I said to this chap, and I said, I'm looking for Tom Clark from The Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's funnier in that. The fact that you mistaked, mistake, uh, had a uh, um, mistaken identity or the fact you would have wanted to meet Tom Clark from The Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be honest, I don't even think I knew that guy was called Tom Clark until after we've met this Tom Clark. I feel, just, I feel like he'd be far more boring. I feel like, you know, you'd meet him and he'd be very disappointing. I bet yeah, he can't take his photograph to save his life. <laughs> Good point. Uh, he certainly wouldn't be able to share some of the memories that uh, you're joining us to talk about today, which is um, the, oddly, the 11th anniversary of us going on the uh, Letting Go of the Mons tour, um, which was uh, a UK tour that we did with our friends Amy Can Fly and Cassio Kid. Uh, across February and March in 2010. Uh, and we are, as we were just saying before we started recording, we're like on the evening of the 11th anniversary, which, you know, I think 11 is the year to celebrate, right? That's good how it's worked out that we're recording the day before, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost like we engineered <laughs> this slightly. <laughs> no, I think a lot of it was coincidence. Like we, We've been hoping to get Tom on the show for a long time now. And I think... Um, Have we? Around the time we've... I, I certainly have, yeah. I remember when we first started the podcast, what, 18 months ago? Uh, I remember being in London, and I think we were even joking about you being like our London correspondent, and you could possibly like go and do the interviews for us and just, you know, send them in. Well, he, he does have far more experience at interviewing. I, I don't know if you know this, but he used to have a podcast. That I didn't is, say that, that did I? I didn't say. We, we've got a podcast professional in the room Form, former professional recovering podcaster just tell us tell um, us a bit about that podcast clark yeah who were some of the names who did i interview uh a little band called paramore and oh, uh fucking hell i mean that Kate is Williams. a claim to fame isn't it didn't you um, drop doesn't, doesn't the story go that you bought her a whiskey sorry her yeah, i mean well, Haley williams yes we went to because you know classy guy when uh we did the interview in a burger king <laughs> there's photographic evidence of this there is a photographic evidence of interviewing the Burger King followed by the guys going to eat and 
Haley not wanting to, so going with her to Weatherspoons because you know where else do you go? Uh, and having dinner in Weatherspoons, like a, a shepherd's pie or something ridiculous, and <laughs> bought her a whiskey. Yeah, it was one of those. It's one of those random, random. Hold on a second. Whiskey. Was it just you two having dinner? <laughs> I don't know if Bono was there, mate. <laughs> no. So I got there, and then um, her manager had come along, and then uh, the Josh, the guitarist, came along, and then eventually they all came along. Because so, they uh, knew you were buying the drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's messaged them. She's like pocket text them, like, he's loaded, he's buying whiskey. <laughs> Little did she know how cheap Spoons was. Yeah, exactly. That's why I went there. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a nice is, English is, pub. This is Weatherspoons in Cardiff, so you think how cheap that is. Yeah. The uh, the idea that you were sat across a table with Hayley Williams buying her whiskey is... is shepherd's is, pie. It's mental. Did, did she even know what a shepherd's pie was? No, that's why <laughs> she went for it. She was looking for, like, a British cuisine. <laughs> You know what the spoons menu's like. It's like, do you want a panini or a all day breakfast or no, no? Shepherd's pie. Hold on, did she she ask you? Did she say to you, "What's shepherd's pie"? Yeah, I did have to explain what a shepherd's pie. (laughs) Right for us now, and for the people that tune in, listen to this podcast, can you just tell us just briefly how you would describe a shepherd's pie? Uh, So. <laughs> a uh, a pie with a, a mashed potato top, full of What's mince. mashed potato. No, they have, have mashed potatoes. potato. They, they uh, have mashed potato. Yeah, I mean, is that like yams? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. Once we talk about Hayley Williams, have you guys listened to the like the second solo album that she's done? Yes, um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's um, it's a little bit more chill than the the first one. Isn't it? It's What's um the... quite a because she really she's good. played everything on it, hasn't she? I didn't realize that. Yeah, she played every Show instrument off. and every part. Yeah. Um, but no, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's good. I quite like the the um, also track called "My Limb." Just, oh, yeah. just a bit, it's a bit weird, but very good at the same weird. time. I, Ed, I don't know whether you would like it, Ed, because you were you were a bit unsure about that cinnamon one <laughs> from oh, the first like, album. Not a fan you didn't like of the, cinnamon. the weird noises. <laughs> No, they put me it's off. A little, it's got a little bit of that vibe to it. Oh. But no, I enjoyed it. Ah, ooh, ah, ooh, That's ah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, some good stuff on there. Um, at some point uh, in this podcast, we'll get on to talking about new releases, but uh, we are going to talk about tour memories, as uh, as I said before. Um, before we jump into that, uh, maybe we, we give a genuine account of how we actually got to know you tom because that that story that i started to tell was was partly true you you were there that night at the ibar um which i, I can't remember what gig it was was it conditions it was it was conditions so it links uh, there's a paramour link there so i'd literally the day or they were supporting paramour because their guitarist was their guitar tech paramour's guitar tech i didn't know and that so yeah and then me and dom had helped them out conditions out with some headline shows on the off dates they were playing ibar in between so we'd been up the last few days before i've been up um, photographing at brixton academy which is i think i think it was george that came over to look when i was editing the photos that's right that, that is actually how we were introduced i think george actually said check out this guy's photographs that he's taken of um 
Newfound Glory and uh, yes, was it was it was it Newfound Glory, Paramore, Kids and Gloss Houses and Conditions? Conditions, yeah, it was a heck, heck of a lineup, really. Yeah, I can't. Um, I, I was going to say I can't remember who played the Ibar show, but I can. It it was us. Amy can fly. Not advised. Yeah, it was. And conditions. And if I, I was talking to, I think I was talking to Ben about this the other day from Amy Confiant and, and, and said about how they got dicked over because conditions were supposed to headline. And obviously yeah. because it was a local show and they were new to the area, they actually, uh, they asked Amy Confiant to headline instead. And by the time they played, the, the main crowd had gone. Um, yeah. Such is life. But when we played that show, although Ed would have been there to see us, Ed wasn't in the band at that point. So can you no. remember when you first met Ed? That's a really good question. So, or oh, Ed, can you remember when you first met Tom? It was some point that late. It was some point in that year because I remember going to Reading Festival in two thousand eight and meeting you all there. Oh yeah, you definitely did. And, but I think and, we were friends. And Ed was, we've been friends, but I knew Ed before that point. Um, yeah. In that year, so it, was, it must have been a couple months later. It must have been, I think it must have been El Paso playing a show, and I'm trying to think which show it was, but I'm sure like a month or two later, um, there was an El Paso show. Punchline was the one with Punchline, yeah, and the get and the get go. That's the one. Did you put that on? That was a Dom show. Oh, okay. Dom is like the evil version of Tom. (laughs) 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 Checking, I'm joking. Dom probably listens to this episode because you're on. So no, I don't. I'm being cruel. Dom professional version. I was uh, at that show, I was just photographing it, and I think I was reviewing it for the uni magazine at the time. Uh, um, did did you do any show. podcasting that night? No. Uh, oh, did I? You know what? I can't remember now. I, don't I, believe so. you, um, I believe you asked me if I could introduce you to someone else to podcast them, and I remember feeling very pissed off that you hadn't, you'd asked me, you'd come over, hi, I'm Tom Clark, I, I do a podcast. I don't, I don't suppose you know the fellas from Punchline, do you? No, I, what? <laughs> <laughs> I obviously did not know the fellas so, from Punch. No. no, I probably know them better now than I did then. Um, so, skip forward uh, a couple of years. You um, you got involved with uh, helping out us guys, as in Canada Water, um, with various things, didn't you? Because I guess you were involved with um, the the release of the EP, which came out before the tour. Because I remember yeah. being sat in my old bedroom at my parents' house and doing the um, all the press packs that we sent, which was kind of like... We sent out so many. And it worked, to be fair. <laughs> it was a lucky gamble. It, did, and it, it worked. worked. It worked, yeah. But that was like the early days. That was like the, the, the precursor to doing St. November in a way, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, it probably was. It was the first thing we'd, we'd worked on as a release together. Um, and actually, in terms of timing and... Uh, strategy it works you know obviously got an ap and you had the ap podcast and in the magazine um rock sound rock sound you know quite Karang. a few other places quite a few places some um, canadian music channel <laughs> yes uh, i forgot that, that was yeah. the back of that I, I can't remember how that happened that was that was the, that was odd. ap was it? it was the same guy that did the ap podcast Oh, he was right. Canadian, and then it was that was where the TV channel thing came There's in. There's a guy called Corey Schaefer. Because the funny thing is, like a lot of these people, and I was thinking this about the tour as well, there's a lot of people that we got to know around this period that I'm still friends with on Facebook, like very rarely have any conversation with. Um, 
But like the promoter from Leicester, that lady Val, do you remember her? Val, that, yes. <laughs> I'm still connected to her. Like she was very anti, um, I mean, you know, natural, but, you know, we were all anti-Trump. But she was very outspoken against Trump in the, uh, the run up to the US election. I'm sure like, she was. Every day. Well, we, um, we didn't actually know those press packs were working until I was in America. That's right. And you because saw it. Press. I was at, um, what's the airport, I guess, near New York that you'd fly into? Clark, you'll know this. Uh, JFK. What yeah, I, I, I must have been at JFK and I was just looking for something to read on the plane. And I just grabbed Alternative Press. And as I was flicking through it in the um, sort of departure lounge, I see our little band there. And we had no idea. Right. They, don't, you... they don't email you or phone you to say, oh, by the way, you're in the next issue. You know, absolute chance that I was in New York the, the month it was released. And there, there's us being reviewed. And yeah, it, it got that's lovely, right. a lovely review. So that was the review, wasn't it? And then they tried to reach out to us to put us in the, um, like the AP&R featured section. Yeah. But for some reason, we didn't get the message. And then we got like a second, like almost like angry follow up, like guys, we're trying to get in touch with you. Do you not want to be in the magazine? And we're like, oh fuck! Like scrambling around, like sending like uh, press photo in and stuff. And well, I'm we pretty did sure, a shoot, didn't we? Then we had yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah, we didn't know yeah. Shoot. Was one of, yeah. Which one was that? Was that, that was the, the one with, shoot. That was the well. It was one of the many ones that we did at um, Paul Percussion, where George, our drummer, used to work. Um, and it was the one just with the, with the white backdrop that you did. Um, cause we did, we did some crazy ones before that. Like we did a thing with like foil, like we were in trim and we covered yeah. the whole room in foil. Oh, um, yeah. and there's one with like a light bulb, like falling and we're all like dressed up as like, um, <laughs> electricians. Um, and then there's one with like Ed's being like chucked in the back of the old Bolingo oh, van. God. But this one yeah. that we did was quite simple. It was pretty much just us against a white backdrop, but I posted it on the, um, on the page recently. Uh, so people might've seen oh. that. Oh, I've got so many photos of you guys from the photo shoots we did. Yeah, the, 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 that huge archive that you sent me recently. There's some great yeah. stuff in there. So that was so that kind of brings us up to this point, then, doesn't it? Because that was just before we went on this tour, and it and really yeah. this was the height of of Canada Water, wasn't it for us? Um, so let's talk about some memories, then. So I I don't really know where to start because there's so much to talk about, but I figured we could just have a look at the um, the tour dates and maybe just see. What comes to mind? So the first one. I was just thinking that Friday the nineteenth of February, that first show, the Hippo in Plymouth, which I think we played a couple of times before, and it was called the Hub. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it changed names. Um, well, hang on, didn't you do a gig swap with someone? And yeah, I think we played this, there a couple of months down before. There was empty. That's right. It was basically yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Sorry. Don't say it was empty. <laughs> it was Ramo. Oh, hold on. It was empty both times. It was empty all three times. I've seen big bands play in smaller academy venues than that room was. It was a nice venue and it had like a oh, really yeah. good um, rig as well, like decent lighting and stuff. Like it was probably one of the nicer venues that we ever played. But for whatever reason, and I was thinking about this, I don't ever really remember there being like, a promoter there or anyone like I remember like someone turning the... up there and like the staff would just be shocked <laughs> that of... there was a gig on <laughs> yeah one of the reasons this particular show didn't go down well is because the promoter bailed and didn't promote it and they gave us all that free alcohol yeah. uh, because they felt oh, sorry yeah. for yeah, us we took... 
Yeah, but, yeah. But you know, the first time we played there, which was on the the tour that we did a, about a year or so before, um, some of the kids that we that we that we met, I say kids, they're like adults. You know, probably only a couple of years between us. Uh, but there's a guy called Joel and like some of his friends, and they came back every time. And and that's another yeah, yeah. person that I've stayed in touch with since. Um, but I was just thinking as well, before we got to that show, on, do you remember on route, we stopped at Exeter Services and by sheer chance, we bumped into Ash um, Matthews from uh, I Say Marvin, who were on the previous tour with us. And it was just such a yeah. weird coincidence that we bumped into him on route to the first gig. And the other weird thing was that his, well, I think one of his friends that was with him, the girl, she had was in a relationship or had been in a relationship with a guy called Nathan Lance, who did like the t-shirt design. For us, when we had like the yeah, slime mentally, over like the, yeah, small world. I think once you get into like touring and bands and playing these sort of gigs, like it is a small world. One of the um, stories I remember, and it, I swear it was from this gig, but do you remember they had like a downstairs basement, um, like the backstage yeah. area? It just went down. Yeah, the backstage steps. was down underneath the stage. And I remember there was a like an old, like the old really big single seat chairs, you know, like a proper, like just when single, like those comfy chairs were just oversized. And one of the guys behind the bar said, bad manners played here not so long ago. You should have seen what was happening to bust a blood vessel on that chair. Yeah. I think that was the the first time you played that. Was it? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I knew exactly. I don't know what. He, I don't know where, what he was insinuating, but yeah. I think he told us a bit more than that, but I don't. Well, yeah, I don't. don't well, just in case it's not true, let's not. I don't want to. I don't want bad manners to take us to court. Did they have maybe I've maybe I've blurred this with another memory, but did the toilets have those urinals that were like someone's mouth? Yeah, like the tongue. Open? Yeah, like yeah. the Rolling Stones almost emblem. Yeah, like, linking back to the logos episode, and you sort of pissed into it. Yeah, pleasant. I think there was a better, well, I say better. I think there's a smaller venue in Plymouth that we never played called the White Rabbit, which probably would have been more appropriate for us to play. But instead we were playing this like, almost like near enough the capacity of Wedge. Uh, I'm I'm thinking back and I'm sure from memory, because I was obviously, I think I was in the the Amy Can Fly van and looking after the money. And the the (laughs) fee wasn't bad that night. So, yeah, I know. I think, I think we still got paid. I, I, everyone got paid like pretty well compared to some of the dates, and I I think it's like subsidised by the union or something like that. There was some sort of crossover because everyone got paid pretty well, and there's no way they made that money. No, no, not a chance. No, I don't. No. I don't even think um, it would have paid to switch the lights on that night before it came through the door. But because it was um, like we had to come back past home because the next date was Guildford. <laughs> yeah. st- I stayed at home that night. So like the first night of tour, I stayed in my own bed, went home. I don't know. Could you guys remember what you did? Did you go home yeah. as well? No, we all went to Mark's flat in Bournemouth. No, but- that was the first tour. That was the first oh, tour. So where did I go for this one? Maybe I went home. Or did I we think stay- you might have gone home. I got- I'm sure we all went home. McLeod stayed on my floor. I didn't want to go home. <laughs> I don't think anyone wanted to go home. It was the first night no, of the I, tour. No, I feel like because I was on tour, I was like, I can't go home. Did I maybe? Yeah, I think what you're thinking of it, that first tour, 
when we played Weymouth the first night and then we came back home. That time we did stay at uh, Mark Davis's place in Bournemouth. And that was because we were like, it's the first night of our first tour. There's no way we're going home. And I think the second night of the the tour was Upton. (laughs) So we were even closer to home on the second night. And that night we all stayed at Chris Smith's. It's just like, it was ridiculous. But I think by the time we got to the second tour, we were like, no, we'll probably just go home. (laughs) But I think I had McLeod on my floor and I was pretty pissed off about that. Because I was like, yeah, this this is my last night now by myself. And um, yeah, he was there snoring on the floor. But uh, yeah, and then the (laughs) next morning, I think we, we rendezvoused in Southampton. I left my car there. And then we got in the um, the van or the, the people carrier um, yeah. and we played Guildford. And Guildford was a weird show because that was a matinee we played in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Which to this day, I still find like jarring to think that we played a gig and then went out for Nando's <laughs> and then went on a <laughs> night out. And that was my very first time at Nando's. That's what I remember the most. That was your first, first time? Nando's experience. You fucking hurt your head. Oh, yes, of course he can remember. He, hurt, he banged his head. He was leaning back no, on the... I'm uh, surprised that the, the brain cells weren't destroyed by the... Uh, yeah. Fucking hell. Is that... So, Ed, that gig, is that the show that... Um, uh, I can't think... What, what's his name? Running Bucky. What's his actual name? <laughs> Matt. Matt. Matt Buck. Yeah. Um, did he I put that show on? Or was yeah, it... potentially, I think that is the show he put on. Um which is hilarious, really, considering I'm now friends with him myself, you know, after all these years. Um, but yeah, if because he used to put on a lot of shows at the, the boiler room in Guildford. So Tom, this is um, somebody that Ed knows through running, who also listens to the pod. So if you're listening, Matt, sorry, I forgot your name. <laughs> I remembered Bucky. Like <laughs> You remembered running Bucky, you know, his Instagram title. Yeah, that, I, that, that's pretty, probably society, that that is it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't remember a lot else about that Guildford show. I think we played okay. Although the fatal thing about that show is that that is the gig where I left all the CDs. <laughs> so we've just started the tour. We've just released our EP. We've got all these um, copies pressed. And I think, I don't know if I left them all there, but definitely a couple of boxes. Yeah, because they didn't catch us up until until Hartlepool. Um, Which I is... think we just about made it through. That's yeah, you had one, you did one box left, didn't you? Which locked, I think, just each you round yeah. until the rest caught up. So it wasn't a complete disaster, but I remember some panicked calls to the venue later trying to get the um, stuff shipped somewhere else. And the boiler room weren't the easiest to deal with. Yeah, mm. it was so awkward because we we always have this thing. I mean, probably if anyone else listening is in a band, they'll they'll know that the concept of like the idiot check. You know, and that that's something that we've always done, like even in previous bands and, and bands since as well, where you do just the final check. I even do it like when I'm leaving the house to like, you know, go on holiday or, or vice versa coming home, like just one last idiot check. And I just don't know how we forgot them, but never mind. Any re- other memories of uh, Guildford? I can't, I can't remember what the venue looks like. It had a weird pillar in the middle, didn't it? It had that weird yeah. pillar in, in the middle of it. Uh, which it's like was a, awkward. It's like a corner stage, wasn't it? Yeah. A bit like um, the old, uh, what was it called? Queen's Hotel in Weymouth. Oh. Yeah. Was it, did it have a, a short ceiling? 
a low ceiling. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was yeah, fairly that, low. That would, yeah, low ceiling would work better, wouldn't it? Rather than <laughs> short ceiling. <laughs> um, yeah, I do remember it. I do remember it. I can remember the low ceiling now. The crowd was quite good as well for a matinee show. It wasn't a bad yeah, turnout either. It was pretty good. Oh, absolutely banging, wasn't it? Remember it, was it well. Good, it was a good show. Um, we stayed um, well, at. Well, it was, except except there was the slight drama that uh, Ben and Amy Can Fly blew his voice. Oh, yeah. Christ, it was like. Didn't it he? was that early into the tour. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he couldn't sing at the next show. Yeah, so right. Ed stepped in to do some of the vocals <laughs> for him. <laughs> in Milton Keynes, one of our favourite yeah, MK, MK. venues. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, um, we'll do some thank yous as we go along uh, through this. At this point, I say thank you to Paul Parsons for putting us up yes. on on that show. Um, very comfortable night we spent there. I think some of the other guys stayed at um, some of our friends were at uni in Guildford and, and didn't have quite as comfortable a night, uh, depending no, on how you look at it. But, uh, but yeah, Milton Keynes was the next day. Uh, Crawford Arms, shout out to uh, Jason Hall the promoter there. He's still there, still going strong. Um, surviving the pandemic. I saw recently that they got their um, uh, their grant to keep it open there. And they've been doing like live streaming of shows and stuff. Well, they were obviously um, before the before whatever lockdown we're in now. Uh, but yeah, I like the Crawford Arms. Yeah. And it's changed a lot since we played there. Like we Again, this is another one that we played a couple of times. And when we first played there, it was kind of like just, it was almost like a community center, wasn't it? It was a bit like what Upton used to be like, which is like a few like makeshift like tables that were like a stage. But it's like a full on like, yeah. like it's a proper venue now. How is it? I remember there was a point where that was the furthest north that we'd played. And it was like, because <laughs> like, there's like, there's like cobbled streets around by that venue. And I was like, it's like Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you look at Milton Keynes on a map and it's like a few miles north of London. Like Yeah. It was a big deal. And it was that was, that was when it was good. snowing, wasn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. We were quite lucky really. It, it could have um scuppered our plans to go further north, like proper north, not Milton Keynes north. Uh but that was the gig when um because the great thing about Crawford Arms as well is you could stay there. And I think this is oh. the only time we did but they had the rooms in the hotel above the, the pub. And you guys, which we'll probably have to dig out to post with this episode, for some reason, like, I don't even really know. Like, maybe you've told me at some point, you filmed this hilarious, like, guide to the hotel. I think we're just I, bored. I, I, think we, I think you and me were kicking around there, weren't we? And I just, think you approached me and said, I've, like, I've got my camera. Do you want to film some stuff? And I just went... Yeah, I'll do a tour or something. And you went, yeah, do that. And it was that was it. You put the you put the camera in front of me, and I swear that was first take and one take. It was. It was first take, one take, done. There was no retakes, no editing. It was just a single take, one take, and that's but it was it. so good because it had like the spirit of like MTV Cribs, and you were basically going around because we we all had um, well, quite a few of us had like sort of two man rooms, didn't we? Like two bedrooms. <laughs> And then a few of us were in like a bigger, like sort of communal room. Yeah. Uh, so you were just basically walking around this floor and just opening doors and just talking to whoever was in there. But it's just some of the things, like, I guess, because as you say, you were doing it like off the cuff. There's just some really odd things you said, like, this is when chat roulette was big, if you remember. 
Um, and you, yes. one, well, you said something like, you said, oh, I'll leave Nathan. He's on the phone to chat roulette, <laughs> which yeah. isn't how chat roulette works. Like chat roulette was like, basically like this, like we're talking now, like, um, it's like a webcam type I thing. I don't know if it? we have to explain like, how chat roulette works. <laughs> well, I just try to remind people. I'm sure there'll be some people like, chat roulette, chat roulette. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of penises on, on chat roulette, if that jogs your memory. Mm, yeah. um, so, sounds like there's like Omegle now. It's the same thing as Omegle, I think. I saw this on BBC News today it's, and I thought, that's yeah. just chat roulette. <laughs> it's just chat roulette. Yeah, I've had the same thought. <laughs> um, can you remember why you said on the phone to chat roulette? Or you just, you know. I don't know who he was on the phone legend. to, but I, rem- I do remember that we, before the gig possibly, I put on a wig and pretended to be a girl on chat roulette possibly. And so I think it was... Oh a, yeah, uh, there was Belinda. Bel- Belinda, yeah. Belinda. Um, I think Belinda I- was actually invented at the, the Plymouth date because for, where did that wig even come from? There was like a blonde wig, wasn't there, in the merch box? Um, I, I think it was Amy Can Flies or it was found and then just... Uh, commandeered it was, it was bought with us yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes that that was the the start of belinda i i always re- remember i always thought belinda was nearer the end of the tour her it's, biggest it's, performance was well yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> this um, whole episode could be on that show but the, did you remember the pizzas? They ordered us. Yeah, I think that's what was going on when you yes. guys were filming. Because I was—I remember being stood outside. The snow was starting to come down. We were w- waiting for this huge delivery of pizza, which was really good pizza, by the way. Um, I don't know where they ordered it from, um, so I can't give a shout out to that. And who knows if they're still in business. But then you came down and you were all excited. You were like, oh, we filmed something really funny. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for my pizza. Like, whatever. I'm sure it's hilarious. Yeah, no, no, no. Watch it. Watch it. And I remember like watching it like on the little like playback screen on the camera and I'm like this is quite funny like <laughs> what the fuck is this I, um, but it became like a cult thing for a while i have a confession to make about that milton Keynes show go on so there was one bathroom wasn't there two toilets you'll see it in the tour yeah and it's like side by was, side there was no plug for the bath but if i'd already checked out the shower <laughs> Buff was completely and, redundant by the fact they had no plug. Well, hold on. The shower was an absolute disgrace. So I knew I didn't want to shower. So I thought, well, I'll try. I'll, I might make the bath work. So I, we were using those Tresemme white hairsprays at the time. I've still the got massive, it. Those massive ones. Yeah, I, I, use the, I used the black plastic lid to create a suction over the bath. <laughs> and I had a bath. <laughs> Literally, the hot water—it never reheated the hot water. So I was the only person who washed really at that gig. Yeah, yeah. And it was because I used all the hot water in the bath. And I believe I said to someone, "As someone had a bath, uh, someone asked me, who's had a bath? They've used all the hot water." And I said, "There's no plug. It can't have been anyone." Knowing full <laughs> well, I just had a dip. <laughs> I did not know this. So there you so, go. Yeah. That was your younger years of uh, being <sighs> an apprentice plumber coming into. Uh, <laughs> you're going to weight off your shoulders now after that. Honestly, I feel so much better now. What was the next <laughs> day? Because I'm trying to work out when I would have actually been able to have a shower. No, I think was, you were tempted uh... to use the shower. Ugh, no, uh... no, no, no. Not, not after I'd seen your <laughs> review of the uh, 
on the tour. Um, well, the next year was, got cancelled, wasn't it? Because it was Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton. And that was the and it got cancelled uh, yeah. the day before. Where did we go? Well, no, we didn't. I don't know if we knew. Oh, no, we did know. We actually went to the venue. I don't know why. Just like hoping to, um, like, it would be... <laughs> wrong like it actually was happening we went that we had lunch at the venue because it was a it was a varsity pub there was like yes. a chain wasn't there in yeah yes we did in student we towns did. for a while because there used to be one in southampton actually there used to be two in southampton um oh my yeah, God. we had we had lunch there and we even went into the room where the venue <laughs> was yes in the dark on the stage and we're like well this would have been wolverhampton <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that happened i've forgotten about that so then after that, we didn't have a lot to do. Oh, we did go, I think we went to the town because we went into the Wolverhampton um, football club uh, football shop and we bought the party hats with the Wolves logo on. <laughs> and we bought a one of those, you know, like the oversized pens, like the fucking like oh, yeah, 10 yeah. inch ones to use for the mailing list. There you go. Oh it's it's literally all coming back. This is why I wanted to do this in order, because doing it in order is actually flowing through yeah. my memory better. Uh, see, I art remember from, from, the from, mule. I had the most boring time ever where I think I think it was me and Chris got dropped for the travel lodge. Yeah, you went straight motorway there. services. And we were at this motorway services for way, way longer than anyone should ever be at motorway services. There is nothing to do <laughs> past 45 minutes. That's what I learned. There was an arcade though, wasn't there? Because you kept going yeah, there across was. to the arcade. We kept going to the arcade. That was all you could do. Yeah, nothing else to do. Yeah, so we spent that evening in Travel Lodge because I don't think we were brave enough to spend the night on the tiles in Wolverhampton. Uh, plus, we had a Travel Lodge that night, so we had we were like, well, "Fucking make the most of it." So that was probably when I had the shower. So Ed, to be honest, your confession about using all the hot water in Milton Keynes, I probably had a really nice shower. Well, I think I had another shower, so I'm, I'm sure you did. <laughs> I was clean twice because um, <laughs> so, after that it was um, it was Leeds, and we played. Um, you played that Rio's show. Rio's, yeah, which yeah. I tried to find when we were back in Leeds, and I don't think it's there anymore. It was quite a big venue because it had multiple rooms, didn't it? The main room was was must have been like a thousand capacity room or something, and then there was a second. We weren't in Rio's that one. Two. No, no, you were in the Rio's two, which was like three or four hundred capacity, but the whole place was oh, quite a big building. Yeah, it was. It started snowing again, and it was proper cold. I remember that, and yeah, and the venue because the I think the venue was underground. It's like a basement venue. Yeah. And I don't think there was any heating or anything in there because it was so cold. Like I, like I joked before we started recording about when we record remotely, I have a hat on and a hood up so that uh, that my mic here doesn't pick up the other guys talking. But this is what I was having to wear on stage, like all like zipped up and stuff because it was so cold. I've never been that cold playing a gig, and loads of weird things happened. Like I swear, Tom got an electric shock off the mic, and Ed, yeah. you got a like. A serious like migraine. Do you remember this? Chronic migraine. Yes. I describe it as. I, I and honestly Clark jumped it, into it, tour manager mode. <laughs> and he wanted, the, he wanted to pull the dick. Yeah, but the Clark wanted to pull the set. He was he was he was really worried about me. It was very lovely actually. Where, where for your um, health and safety. I think we were three songs in and I just suddenly my head just almost like felt like it was going to explode. Yeah. And I think I walked off stage and I came to you, Clark, and I said, I've just got the worst headache. And you went, you ran around, found some paracetamol. I was like, they're not going to kick in by the time the gig's finished. And you were like properly signaling from the side of the stage, pull it, pull it. And in fairness to me here, <laughs> I, we, we finished the set and then you, you marched me upstairs and made me lie down. 
Because you, you, yeah. you came off and you looked so pale. Like, honestly, you, like all the colour had drained out of you. And you sort of just didn't look quite with it. Like, you clearly weren't well. You weren't, like, bullshitting. It wasn't, you know, crawly funny. It was, this was, you were feeling like shit. I walk off stage. I'm a professional, you know. I remember being, how impressed, uh, uh, how how quickly you jumped in to care for, you know, know, took his well-being seriously, like. (laughs) Oh, he didn't have paracetamol with him. He went and found that in within the venue. He literally (laughs) saved my life, I think. I owe owe my life to Clark that night because I don't know what would have happened to me if I hadn't. And it was a red leather sofa, I believe. And he put his coat over me because he had a massive coat. It was quite cold. It was was cold. It was very cold. He risked Um, his own life to heat me. (laughs) So there's that bit in um, Petty Theft bessie our song which is the theme tune to this podcast the remix version of it um and there's a breakdown in it um and then like a middle eight instantly whatever you want to call it uh where ben from amy can fly sings now he would have been the perfect person to come up on stage and fill in to sing this bit given he was there but when he wasn't there, Ed, you used to sing that part, didn't you? Yeah, now, yeah. you couldn't sing it because you were like <laughs> at death's door. Ben yeah. was nowhere to be seen. Now, on an earlier recording of it, I sang it. So I stepped up to the mic and sang it that night. Right? Yeah. And uh, I, I just remember like after the show, just like uh, like hearing like some of the guys talking like, Liam, bless him. He, he stepped up and did that bit, but <laughs> this was a bust by that point. <laughs> and I just thinking, oh, I thought like I did really well. Like, <laughs> I don't think I, do, I don't remember thinking it was bad at all. I think it was fine. I don't think you really heard the, it. The, um, see, but no, the I, best what, thing about Leeds was the after, the after part. Yeah. So what a turnaround because it's hard to even stitch those two nights together. And it was just, I don't know, did you plan it so that we would be in Leeds when it was the Slam Dunk Club Night? Because yeah. that was always on a Tuesday, yeah. wasn't it? So did you book You book that yeah, absolutely. intentionally? That was absolutely how I planned it. It's great because... <laughs> no, I'm no, so... it wasn't planned. It was, just, it was just luck, I think. I think it was just one of those things right. where, okay. knowing how hard that tour was to book, I was taking whatever date would fit anywhere. It yeah. wasn't that well planned. But I'm so glad that you did because as good a night as that was... I'm just so glad to have experienced that. I'm, Especially I, now, it's like, all just come flooding back to me. <laughs> Everything <laughs> about that night. Um, I'm so <laughs> glad to have experienced that club night there because obviously slam dunk now, and like, we've done a few slam dunks like around the country, like doing like the different venues and stuff. But that was like the home of of slam dunk. Um, it was such a good night at the we, uh, um, the cockpit. Amazing. What, what, yeah, was, the, was the hotel called an ibis? Yeah, yeah it, was it was ibis. Yeah, in the centre there on that round where the showers have got a clear glass door and yeah. the toilet, the toilet yeah, doesn't yeah. lock. And I know I'm and, sure we all had rooms. Like we weren't like all crammed in because I remember Ed, uh, our friend uh, Heps, had travelled up from Manchester. Obviously, not too far from Leeds. He got the train across. Uh, and he was in the room with you and I. So I think those rooms slept three people. I think I think it was like bunk beds, wasn't it? Like a double and then a single on top. Yeah, yeah. Who did you room with? I was with the American Fly Boys. George and Greg were in one room. And me, you and Tom. No, it was me, you and Heps. 
Oh, because in their room, that was obviously where George ended up on the floor of the shower tray. Yeah. So when we got back, back, funny. George went missing, didn't he? He, uh, you know, he, he, was, he, he drank far too much and, and disappeared, which, to be yeah. fair, it wasn't always the way George was, but around this period of time, he got quite into getting paralytic drunk didn't he and disappearing yeah um and i think we kind of got used to it and the novelty had worn off a little bit and i think you obviously again like you obviously you know playing night nurse to ed earlier on with the um <laughs> with the with the um migraine you were still in this mode i think and you were quite concerned well, for I, george's well-being i was because i wasn't drinking at the time i was i took like six months off of drinks so the whole tour i didn't drink at all no it was yeah no i did not drink I, I, yeah, no, no, genuinely did not drink at all. Not even that slam dunk night. So the closest I came went, no, I'm not going to drink because I wasn't. I didn't know and this. Yeah, yeah. So he I had a Harry Christmas stage, didn't he? <laughs> I was trying to be healthy for a change. Um, you know, I regret it now. I should have drunk because drink is more fun. Well, I don't but, know um, because actually someone did need to care for George because I think he almost uh, he did. puked himself to death. <laughs> yeah, so, so this, um, but this was it. So basically he, because I was chatting to him and he could barely stand. And he wasn't <laughs> coherent because he was so drunk. And just like you said, he disappeared. And no, and it wasn't a straight shot back from cockpit to the ibis. <laughs> it it was... wasn't a straight shot. <laughs> it was, well, it was, you know, down no, right, 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 right. the houses. Yeah, it was around the houses. We stopped for food. Yeah, it was. It was. So we, I remember and walking didn't. back, but no one knew where he was. Everyone was like, "Don't know where he's gone. He's not in there." Trying to figure out where he's got to. And then we get back into the hotel, and there he is. In the, in the shower, we open the shower door. He's in the fetal position, <laughs> sitting Naked. next to him, a little pile of sick. Oh. No, he was fully clothed at that point. No, when, when was the point where he got fully naked? Because I came that's, into the room and later, I swear I he was just was across the end of the bed and he was just fully starkers. Yeah. yeah, I think that was when he, was, he decided to go to bed. But yeah, and I don't know how he managed to get back there. Fair play. No, I know. But you came and knocked on our door and you were like, you, you basically told us the whole story. Like, I found George. He's in the shower and he's thrown up. And we were just, obviously, we'd had a, a good night and we were tired. And I just remember saying to you, all right, then, good night. And just closed the door. Like, <laughs> yeah, I could yeah, not did. have cared less. And it was just because we were just so used to it. It was just like, George did it all the time at that point. But knowing now that you weren't drinking... That makes a lot more sense why you were remotely concerned about his well-being. Um, that and you're a good person. You could um, prove that earlier in the night as well. I don't want to... I'm just trying to remember something about um, Greg and me, unfortunately. So I am going to have to talk about myself. Is this the night that Greg invented the he's back? Because obviously I was Greg down hands. and out at the gig. No, no, no. The, not Greg hands. Um, I was down and out. and I, But I had the nap in the venue. <laughs> I took the paracetamol and I'm, I don't know if I drank through it but I swear this is the night Greg was like suddenly started saying no nah, he'll be alright after a nap he'll be alright after a nap he's back he's back I swear this is the night because I, I wasn't I don't think I was expected to come out that evening because of the migraine right. but obviously I'm very glad we all made it out because it was hilarious um, yeah I, I, it could well have been but that is that is a Ed trademark move isn't it to pass out or to fall asleep conk out more likely uh and then just revive within 20 minutes well it happened a lot on this tour i yeah. don't doubt it yeah. yeah um where did we stagger to after leeds newcastle uh, newcastle okay 
Yeah, the oh, Clooney. So that was that weird venue, the Clooney Two, which was like like a arts theatre type yeah. place, and it had like uh, American like bleacher style seating. Yes, like yeah, um, terrible the old venue. lecture halls. It was, but actually, it was a really nice place because they had like a restaurant that was attached to it, and that was definitely the best food that I ate that whole tour. Yeah, we I ate there as well. That was. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a great turnout, was it? And uh, it was an odd layout of those. I don't, I don't know. The, bit... the numbers were okay. Um, yeah, the numbers were like eighty to hundred. I think. I think it just didn't oh, feel okay. busy because of the. And we'd never been to Newcastle. We, we'd never no, been to Newcastle at this point in time. Um, our first time there. But George, the the light up kit came into its own. That was really good. I was going to say, um, there's a really good photo, isn't there, that yeah. um, I think Nathan took, which you could you could basically get up behind the stage, couldn't you? There was like a balcony yeah. behind the stage. Uh, and I think he took some good photos from above up there. Yeah. Um, I'll dig that one out and post that as well. But uh, I, don't, I don't remember anything sort of extravagant happening. I think it was a pretty lackluster gig. I don't think anyone really played. Oh, I think we were just exhausted from the night before. Yeah, which does happen. Um, I can, as professional like my memory as we of, were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My memory of that gig as well is I think that was the point where I really started to get fed up of doing sound check or like not even doing the actual sound check, but just that whole period of time, like the, the grey period of the day where you just would be like sat around and because we were like the first on, we'd have to wait the longest to sound check. But we were lucky if we got to sound check, so we hung around on the off chance. But you just miss out. And I was realizing, like, I'd love to go and see, like, more of Newcastle. And I think maybe you guys, some of you guys did go into the town. But I, I didn't at that point. I was, I was annoyed that I didn't see much of Newcastle at all. Um, but, yeah, oh, my God, soundcheck. The worst bit of being in a band. And not even wow. doing the soundcheck, just the waiting around. Yeah, I think it can get dull, especially in sort of a, a place you don't know you like you say, you don't want to leave the venue just in case you can get a sound check. You've already set up the merch and we had our, our merch sort of scenario was pretty down by this point. Whoever was setting it up, we knew the situation. Um, we didn't have the merch board on this one, did we? Or did we? We did. Yeah. This was the one that was made for. Yeah. So then, there we go. We, we had a merch board and I'll describe it. It's sort of Tom, uh, Tom, our guitarist sort of made it and it just opened up on hinges and bang, the t-shirts were already pinned to it and we just had to find somewhere to stand it. It was amazing. Yeah, it was good. Um, that merch board ended up breaking my, my guitar as it was being moved Uh around pool percussion after the tour. Oh, yeah, I knew there was a story about something to do with that board. <laughs> I could see it in your face when you were starting to mention it. Is it well, I as a bit bloody uh, practical as that board was? Eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of the Clooney, I'm not sure it'd be the first venue I went back back to if I was ever in a band again. <laughs> I wonder if it's still there. Well, the one was that week that weekender that you and Amy Fly did, wasn't it, the, at the Academy Two? Yeah, that was a me- more memorable. That was more memorable, like a Newcastle show. Six months, seven months later, yeah, and that was that was quite memorable. And then, yeah, the other the other show that the Emmy Can Fly Boys did there on the, the tour after was good as well. And that was Academy. Um, I think the venue just didn't help at all. Yeah, that was a very odd one. And we after that show, we went to Sunderland. 
which yes because it was Hartlepool wasn't it and you were staying somewhere that was free, it was like freezing cold or something like that, that oh yeah. well place? it was just so cold wasn't it at that time of year like I think yeah, the whole true. tour was pretty cold um yeah we stayed with my friend Laura I don't know whether she'll be listening but if she is thank you Laura you helped us out there for two nights because I think we went back to Sunderland after the Hartlepool day as well so we bounced around that sort of northeast coast for a little bit yeah. there um but yeah, oh my God, like Greg always talks about how that night at, at um, Laura's place in Sunderland was one of the worst nights sleep he's ever had because he was so cold and he was just like, like double like bagged in a fucking sleeping bag. Um, and yeah, like I, there was this really creepy thing about it because it was a really old house and the pipes yeah. creaked. I don't even remember this. And I swear <laughs> that someone said to me, Liam, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the pipes yeah. creaking <laughs> but it you really creeped me like out after. Yeah, I swear uh, this was yeah. the first thing you said someone was saying my name because <laughs> <laughs> I was in a room by myself <laughs> and it just it just had that really eerie feel about it at that house I don't know why oh, well, I, um, I was snuggled up next to Tom uh, McLeod yes I think you guys really and I remember there's that, he was definitely like uh, oh sorry my TV's just come on no one's there, but it's just come on, and we're talking about spooky stuff happening in a house. This isn't the first time this has happened. This this happened on a previous podcast as well. Um, no, I'd lived somewhere that was haunted. I digress, but it's the pain of my life. I can't work out what setting it is that just stops it turning on occasionally. Yeah, our, our, as a bit of a tangent, our Xbox does that, just switches itself on. And I, I can only think that someone else has got a controller nearby and it fucking activates our Xbox as well. Oh, um, but anyway, moving on from ghostly tales. Uh, but we, we had a house reached... that night, so it was okay. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Like, so grateful for those two nights that we got to stay there. And we, I think we actually went into Sunderland for lunch and this was where we saw an obscene amount of Greg's like as yes. in the bakers, not as in Greg Haig um, 14 <laughs> to, the point, <laughs> to the point that you could be at one Greg's and see another Greg's. And I think there was even like Greg's next door to each other. And we walked past a shop that wasn't Greg's. It was like an electrical store with TVs in the window. And there was a Greg's advert on the TV. Like I shit you not. Like as we walked past, it was crazy. Like, I think that was when oh, I realized I was- how prolific I thought it was Doncaster. It probably was Doncaster as well. Oh, probably every Doncaster northern town well. we went to. Yeah. No, yeah. no, but it was because we definitely spoke about how many Gregs there were at the Hartlepool gig. Yeah. So, that, so we've reached that point now. We've reached the Hartlepool night, which I, for all the wrong reasons or maybe right reasons, one of my favourite gigs I've ever played. Um, Whatever. It was the... Oh yeah, for sure. Because of how bizarre this night was, like that was it was crazy. Like park the idea of it being a gig, just one of the funniest nights of my life, I think. But the whole setup <laughs> was so weird because it was like a little chapel, wasn't it? Like a little church that had been converted into it was, a venue. again. It was a really nice, nice venue, quite high spec, um, but it was a really rough <laughs> area in terms of we couldn't leave anything in the vans at all because they were the, the no. motor had been like. Oh yeah, last week someone got broken into like on two nights. So don't leave anything in your van because it will get nicked. Yeah, we, I remember we this. bundled everything into the backstage area, didn't we? Down that yeah, side, everything of yeah. the stage. And it was yeah. so good. But this is we, when we um, a hard shift. The CD showed up. 
the CD showed up at um, Sunderland. We got them. But this there. is yeah. There was a, a repeat, wasn't there? Of the CDs going missing. Joke. Someone, yeah, which I didn't take very well, did I? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to bring up the, your your little tizwas, your, your your paddy. But it was an unfair joke because you you really beat yourself up over losing those CDs. So yeah. they showed up. Suddenly they disappeared again for half an hour, mm. and it was unfair. It was unfair. <laughs> Should we leave it at that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, even though that happened, I, I still count that as contributing to what made this night so memorable and in hindsight, quite good, actually. But we got there later than you did, Tom, because you were with the other guys and you yeah. went to some museum, didn't we you? We went to a museum. Yeah, we went to the Hartlepool Local Museum. So there's big, you could, there's this big, like, um, tall ship, old tall ship. I don't know what it was. Um, you had to pay to go on. But next to it was a free museum. So in this free museum, which we went round, we learned that it, Hartlepool is famous for hanging a monkey yes. that it thought was a French spy, <laughs> which was hilarious. And then there was also all this like um, sort of Victorian dress-up boxes. So I just remember the Amy Can Fly boys dressing up in all this like Victorian dresses. I'm sure there are photos of somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah I can picture the photos. I'm sure I've seen them at some point. Yeah. Um, so they're just yes, because we... The- we, we it was, just a weird place. The whole thing is weird, and I think, as you were saying, like it was a bit run down the area. But also, they would there was like a new development going on, almost like to the side of it. So there was like they were yeah. building like a new like flyover, and there was like a new like ASDA like big box store type place. It, it was really odd. Like I mean, I didn't see a lot of the place, neither did the rest of us guys. But yeah, my my perception of Hartlepool based on that show is probably. <laughs> fairly distorted like, i'm sure there's some nice places in hartlepool i'm not convinced i'm not convinced there are <laughs> Fair enough. I, I if you're listening they, they, and you're from hartlepool hung, <laughs> sorry they hung a monkey thinking it was a frenchman <laughs> and the thing is i know it was like 1890s or something like that but they're so proud of it it's in their museum i don't know if that means they're proud of it the natural history museum is full of stuff we've stolen from other countries and claimed yeah, as our own point you know, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 it happened there. Hartley Pool's yeah, museum they, was the size of my bedroom. They had to have the monkey as main attraction, otherwise they had nothing. No, no, it was quite. It was quite a decent sized museum. It's probably the size of your house. You know, it was. It was a good. <laughs> oh yeah. They, <laughs> so not one room, like four or five rooms. Four or five rooms. Four, four yeah. or five rooms, the size of a bedroom. Yeah, right. the, the dress-up room, the monkey room. I remember they'd done like, this. <laughs> That's the order. <laughs> Look, we'll, we'll get him on the dress up we'll get him into the sense of fun then we'll tell him about the monkey yeah. but the thing with and, the monkey and... they, they drew, they've done it like a storyboard like all cartoony to make it look like quite fun it wasn't done seriously you know Jesus you could colour it like, in when I write when I write the description of this episode I'll have to put a warning like there's a there's a graphic story about a monkey I don't know if it's graphic no 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 no. I didn't go into detail um but not a bad stage. No, it was a it was a fair height off the ground. I'd say. Uh, Is this the night we decided that George might have started changing his mind on whether or not he wanted to be in a band anymore? This is absolutely yeah. the night. Yeah, I can pinpoint it to this moment. <laughs> I can pinpoint this the moment you walked out, Ed, as Belinda. I think that was the moment George went. I'm, I'm leaving the country. 
that was perhaps the start of it. But don't forget, that was only the beginning of, of the craziness yeah. that happened that night. So during Amy Can Fly's headline set, not only was Ed on stage as Belinda, eventually the whole crowd were on the stage with Amy Can Fly, perhaps in the second to last song. Me and you wheeled Ed out <laughs> from backstage yeah. on an electric piano, <laughs> right? He was dressed <laughs> as a sumo wrestler. <laughs> Or possibly a baby. I'm not sure. Anyway, it was a, meant to be a sumo wrestler. Okay. Um, and then me and Clark sat there playing the piano, like out in John and Kiki D, and you were just laying on the electric piano. <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't, who tried to grab the ladder and someone went, the ladder's too far. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably great. I think you tried to grab a ladder, didn't you, Liam? Yeah. And I swear yeah, yeah. I said, I think, that, I think the ladder's too far. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah because it, it, it was almost descended into a bit of like a um like a wwf or wwe whatever you call it now uh like a wrestling scenario i think you were going to jump off the ladder into the non-existent crowd can, can, um, can i just say my performance as belinda i came on stage with my guitar didn't i and i pretended to play along mm-hmm. and then i sang a note and i hands down that's probably one of the best vocal performances i've ever done on a stage it was all about having fun we'd had a few drinks yeah but to be honest like i i think it even started before amy can fly set like i can remember during our set um chris came on and we replaced my keyboard stand with chris like the keyboard stand was basically yes. well, the keyboard yes. was on chris's back yes you so, did was something about this show that we just decided just to just sabotage it basically but the crowd loved it like i feel like if yeah, we yeah. played like a straight set i don't think it'd have been as good a night i don't think that the, the the crowd would have enjoyed it as much i think this is the first show chris played guitar as well um during whatever our closer was i guess petty theft um when i would drop the uh, drop the guitar and i, I oh, think was it Tom... the last few bars of graduate maybe yeah, maybe. And I think Tom sort of just said to him, I'll, you know, put your hands on A in five and and just play this. And I think, yeah, I think he was just looking for it. And I think I got down possibly or jumped off the stage, which then became sort of a running thing that he would do. Um, and I swear that was yeah, this night as well. Oh, fun I times. I can also remember that was the cheapest... Um... Southern Comfort and Coke that I think I had all told. Because remember, after every set, I'd go and get a Southern Comfort and Coke. It became like, like my, uh, my little thing. It was less than that. It was like one pound ten or something. Like I think what they probably the would have paid me to have it. Like they just they they were everyone in that venue, the staff, the crowd, absolutely loved us, and yet we were just like yeah. acting like idiots. But well. So after the, after the set, like the they were desperate. Like, yeah, if you guys want to come back, we'll happily have you back. I remember chatting to the promoter, and them just being like, and again, it being an, another uh, solid fee night, and being like, yeah, you know, just happy to do it again, same terms, blah blah blah. And I'm like, great, okay. I think they wanted the exact same show that they'd seen, though. Like, and I don't. Yeah, think they did. They, have, they wanted the same package. I don't think in a million years we could have recreated the mayhem. No. That happened that night. I actually, I don't know why. I remember you saying we've got another show here for the same money. Yeah, I can because they literally that. offered it to us like straight away. That, that was it was really weird. Never went back. Oh, I think it's a good thing. Like you know, there's some things that you do in life and like places you have like classic nights out, and you never like go back to the same place. And then you think, yeah, 
you can't taint the memory. Like if we went back you, and it was a boring night, you could replicate that. It would never, yeah. it would never be the same. What was next? Oh, Leicester. The 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 night that was the shed in Leicester. Oh fucking hell! Like it didn't it didn't like because at the rocks. time like, on this tour, like we had like a wild night and then like a, a quiet night. This went like he got turned up to eleven. Well, this was this was a case of well that escalated quickly. It was just yeah. what even because happened? the bill. So the first thing the bill got moved around, and I can't remember why. There was two gigs going the, on because there was a there was a gig downstairs as well. Yeah, and Amy can fly booked as a headliner, but the local band kicked off or someone had, so the bill got shifted. So it meant everyone was on earlier. So Amy can fly were like second or third support, and it was like a six band bill or something ridiculous. So you guys were on quite early, which at first I think everyone was. I think about. we were second on that evening yeah, because yeah. we had a, a, a it, right. it was a full it was a full venue of albeit a mixed Bad. crowd um because I, I I swear is this the gig where you I'd say that some like for lack of a better term townies or because they weren't called chavs back then yeah were they? yeah it was um, a really unusual crowd trouble starters trouble starters yeah we'll call them that um but the venue was packed. It was there was no yeah, it was rammed and it went and off. Yeah, our Greg, set was amazing. Yeah, Greg it was. always talks about how this was one of the best shows we played, best response, but we sold less merch than we'd ever sold. I don't think we sold anything that night. Maybe like one or two things. Um, yeah. and when you consider like how much we would sell like to a small crowd, like. It was like it was really disappointing how little we sold, but it was because it was a Friday night and everybody was out and they weren't probably weren't going home. Like they didn't want to carry a CD or a T-shirt, like they were going to lose it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was wild. But it was. I remember being downstairs. Ed. Do you remember going into the basement and we were watching like some like acoustic, like eight-piece reggae band playing? What? Yeah, I want to. S- I've got memories of like Rob Lynch playing that night downstairs. Is that false? No, I, that. maybe, quite possibly. No. Was this the I show where we met the guys from um, Midgar? Do you remember the, they were like a metal band? Did they play this show? No, uh, no, because I thought they, they did, were, and then we bumped into them in Manchester. Yeah, but that was because we knew them because we we figured no. out that they were going to be playing in Manchester a few days later, and we went out of the our same. way to go and catch up with them. Is that what happened? That would make sense. Because it was... I, we, so I remember, obviously, because Cassio Kid played, then Amy Can Fly played, then the show got shut down. There was two more bands to play. So what, uh, one of the maybe, bands after Amy Can Fly, is that what it was? Possibly, yeah. And maybe they didn't they get didn't play. play. Oh, they didn't have a gig. They came to Manchester to, to try and get on the gig we were playing, only to find out that gig had also... That, yeah. Oh, uh, when we went... That was it. That was yeah. it. Uh, okay, so they went on this show. Yeah, so two more bands after Amy Can Fly, but they literally finished their set, and then f- five minutes later, the police shut the show down. Yeah. And, and there was police like, everywhere. Yeah, there was like two police vans outside, and bat- bottles were being smashed. And <laughs> Oh, it's mental. It was crazy. That was, the, that was the evening where I was stood behind the, the merch table, and... Uh, <laughs> An elderly couple, I'd say, in comparison. Actually, think about it now. Probably only 40s, 50s at the latest. Yeah, middle age. But the only two p- parents there, but they weren't parents of anyone at the gig. 
And uh, he came over and he shook my hand. And he goes, um, great gig, that. And, and walked off. But while he was shaking my hand, I, I clearly felt something get passed from his hand to mine. Now, not wanting to look at it, and because the police were showing up, well, literally had just come in the venue as he was shaking my hand. I just put this, whatever it was, in my back pocket. And, um, yeah, which is, is a mental thought now, because who does that? But I think because the police were there, I was also scared. And if I tried to hand it back to him, he could have easily raised his voice and said, and I didn't know what it was technically at that point. But yeah. it was a, a bag of weed and uh, ended up in my back pocket. But we got rid of it in the end. None of us partaked in any of that. We were drinkers. So I, I ended up getting rid of the bag. and I, I never even opened no, it. No, but you, you, you traded it, didn't you? It got traded for uh, root, a travel lodge route. Unofficially. Oh, let's, let's say unofficially. Unofficially. <laughs> unofficially. It was never traded because that room was already up for grabs. That room was already up for grabs, and we don't need to say names or bands. So, but yes, I gave I gave the bag away to someone who might use it. Um, but that's just mental. But obviously, I don't know why at the time it didn't it didn't occur to me that actually he wasn't he he probably didn't think we were good at all. He was probably just trying to get rid of his bag of weed, and I just I yeah, literally probably. just realised that. So after all this time, I thought, oh, that's nice. He shook my hand and, and given us some some drugs to say thank you. But actually, he probably just w- didn't want them on him. But there were no sniffer dogs. Yeah. No one got it. I, it was the tiniest it was amount. It was to get well, to that I, point. I would have got a slap on the wrist and, oh, why have you got that? It was it was pathetic, the amount. Um, but, yeah, it was given to someone else. And I don't know if they enjoyed it or not. They could have binned it for all I know. But yeah, mad. That was Leicester. We we did go back. We played Leicester again. Yes, we did. And actually, Leicester, when we played that the second time, that was actually the last show that we played as a band with um, with George. Yeah. Oh, the I last guess one. it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, there you go. Because that was that the same weekend as Newcastle. It was Newcastle, Leicester, wasn't it? Yeah. In the yeah. later that it was later that year. It was the same year, wasn't it? It was the it was the summer. Yeah. Um, so we stayed in. Donington at the Donington services. I can remember it clearly because I was like, yeah, it's like a fucking download festival. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, no, yeah, just yeah. The good service. Good service. Well, we that. stayed there. We stayed there. We stopped there en route to uh, Slam Dunk Leeds uh, a couple yeah. of years ago and had um, yeah. had a meal there. So no, whilst you times. were there, I was with the Amy Can Fly Boys at a, a house. We had a house party and this guy had yeah, invited you them. Them, I didn't you? I know. Yeah, I, can't remember, I can't remember. Ben Pritchard. Was it? I can't, yeah, and yeah. basically, I think Chris had been like, "Yeah, yeah, this guy said we can stay there," so we all stayed there. And then the following morning, his landlord showed up and just started screaming at him <laughs> like a mental. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, time for us all to go!" So we all like piled into the van and left. Just this, he's like, "Oh yeah, the landlord's not happy. Uh, uh, don't 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 worry, guys." And we're like, well, "Hope you haven't you know, got you." lost your home or something and kick you out. He's like talking about Friday night and all sorts. Jesus. Yeah. Do you know what? I think it might've been Ben Pritchard's band that didn't get to play. I think, uh, I think he might've even helped us with the book. And I don't know if he was the promoter. Maybe he was the promoter for that one. And it was Val that promoted the, the one that we played later no, in the no, year. No, I think it was Val. I think it was the Val d- for both of them. Yeah, maybe. From memory. 
Because that's why she she then booked back because it'd been so good on that Friday night. Because I think that was her regular <laughs> so Friday good. night. Fucking hell. They almost lost their license. Um, I can remember Ed and I building up quite a rapport with Val. I remember being stood yeah. outside talking to her and her telling us about her DJing days. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice lady. Bit of a legend. Yeah, she was a lovely lady. One of the one of the the people who just loved a young band coming through. She was so enthusiastic about it all. A bit like uh, Lorraine from the the Queen's Hotel. Yeah, <laughs> you could have told me they were the same person. I probably would have believed you. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Um, so where did we go so after the, that? Like, if you guys so that was Doncaster next, in Doncaster, which is oh, then on to Doncaster. Yeah, I mean, I was quite scared in Doncaster. Scared. Yeah, that was that was a rough place. It just felt it, and I remember being sat in the back of the car and just being like. Jesus Christ. Um, but actually, you know, some years later, that was probably quite an unfair perception. Like, I'm sure it was fine. Well, like, we're not talking was, about, like... Was being sat in the car next to the venue where Tom McLeod started his love affair with Barocca? <laughs> probably. <laughs> I swear, I remember being before the gig and him having one of those vitamin water bottles because they had the bigger neck and then putting a Barocca in it and being like, oh, just, yeah, man, just need to get some vitamins in me. And, like, he went on a bit of a water uh, binge, I think, just drinking, like, soft drinks for a couple of, like, a few wow. hours. Cause it, and that gig, I just remember it being light. I don't remember it being dark. Yeah. I Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it was, it, maybe they didn't. Shove it when they, even between <laughs> Either between the bands or just generally, the house lights were quite bright in that venue. But that was um, that was a weird one because I think we were like we had really like low expectations for it, and it was an okay turnout, and everyone yeah. that was there was really nice. Yeah, but we just did have really to cart everything up that fucking flight of stairs, which was just yeah. insane, oh, yeah. ridiculous. It was like three floors up, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, who puts the venue up there? I don't know, but yeah, it was the, I guess it was the right fire there, the show was good. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was the fun game. That's crazy. Um, no, I think we did. We sold a lot of uh, merch that night. We well Fourteen received. t-shirts, if I remember correctly. <laughs> you plucked that number out of your ass. <laughs> I don't know why it rings a bell, but I swear I've got some Doncaster mad... fourteen. Um, I don't remember much else to... about that day. I don't remember what, what we had I've for dinner. Got nothing. Well, I remember the Greggs. That's where I remember the different Greggs in Doncaster and, be, and being obviously like three Greggs from one position and being like, hang on a second. It's uh, I mean, that I've never like, I've never like known of anything else that happens there or had like any reason to go anywhere near there or back there. I think I'm still no. connected to one person. I, I think her name is Steph. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've got a feeling. <laughs> I've got a feeling that that might have been from the Doncaster show. Well, if you're out there or listening, Steph. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so next up was the Manchester Satan's Hollow, which we didn't get to play, which I think we were all desperate to play because I think it's a, a venue that we'd, we'd seen crop up, or especially Liam and I, because we were more the Kerrang and enemy bars. But Satan's Hollow was one of those ones I was so looking forward to going to because so many bands tour and play it only for it to, there was no reason. The venue just was shut, wasn't it? 
Yeah, just, yeah. I remember phoning the promoter in the venue, and I can't remember what happened now. Um, but it was just shut. It just wasn't open. They they wouldn't open it, and there'd been a mix up, I think, between the promoter and the venue, and then the venue were like, "No, we're not going to open." It wasn't even like it was double booked. There was nothing else going on. I believe Amy Can Fly sold like four T-shirts in the parking lot, though. To Pete, yes, to... you're right. Yeah. Well, like, don't forget what happened with, with our merch. So when we figured that there was no way that show was happening, um, obviously we were in Manchester. That was Hep's uh, hometown at the time. He took yeah. me and George around the corner, plied us with um, shots at the uh, the Weatherspoon on Circus Circus. Uh, yeah. I stumbled into a casino, lost about 30 quid, made it back to the venue where there was a queue of people that were hoping to see the show. And I just started giving our merch away to them for free. <laughs> and McLeod hit the roof. He was fuming. Oh, yeah. We still joke about it now. Oh, yeah, you, he did. But I was mess. like, no, 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 they, they wanted to see the show. They ain't got to see the show. Give them a T-shirt. Give them a CD. Um, it wasn't a huge amount. Like, you know, maybe like, I don't know, 14. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was less. It was like five or six. Um but yeah, no, that was that was a real shame because we never got to play Manchester again. No, which or is it's yeah. But that leads us nicely to the month of March. Yes, uh, and I remember driving down. Oh, actually, just could we go back a second? Just before we went to Manchester, do you remember we drove across? Um, I guess it was like through the Peak District, and we hit fog. And we were driving for ages in fog. And I think Greg was driving that night. We finally came through the fog and we realized like how close we were to the edge of like some hill. Yeah. And there was snow thinking. everywhere. Like if we, if he'd have like just made one wrong turn and to be fair, you couldn't see much further than like a car ahead. That would have been the end of us. <laughs> We'd have plowed into a snowy ravine. <laughs> yeah. I remember him being really, really like just, no noise was allowed to be made. He was just concentrating in this fog. And I just ended up putting headphones on and falling asleep. As you do. Well, yeah, uh, I did it many times. I love that car. But then the, the drive from Manchester down to Cardiff couldn't have been more different. Like, it was like, it was so weird. It was like the 1st of March and like spring had sprung. And it was like such a nice sunny day. And I think we, it, we all felt so much better because after the sort of letdown of Manchester, it was like, right, we're heading back this way now. And uh, we were going to Cardiff and looking forward to playing the the legendary Barfly there. And that yeah. was a good show. Great show. Yeah, good uh, show. Yeah. Joe Latham, this is his shout out. He put us up that night and was there at the show. Yeah. And another another good night out. Well, you... See, I didn't a, go out. You had a very big night Yeah, out. I was going to say. Me, Clark and Greg did. I think we, we went back to Joe's for a quiet one, but... We, but we enjoyed Mr. Latham's excellent hospitality. Had yeah. a lovely oh, night's sleep. And- lovely... Got us made break- us breakfast in the morning. Oh. oh yeah. Such a nice guy. I remember me bragging about that. Because where did I stay? Did I stay with Darren? Yeah, Darren Castle. Yes. Yeah, because he was at uni at that time. In yeah, I stayed with Darren and convinced him to stay out. And yeah, me... Was it me, Chris and Mark? Was... Do you know what? I don't think we've mentioned Mark once yet. And I feel really bad because when I posted about the fact that we were coming up to the um, the anniversary, the 11 year anniversary, I, I did the post on Instagram. I think it was yesterday. And I said, who wants to hear some tour stories? And Mark was, replied saying, would love to. And I was like, maybe you're in most of them. <laughs> we Mark was obviously in Amy Can Fly and they were traveling in a proper sort of tour van 
not bus, yeah, van. Yeah, the transit van type thing. And we were in a... That was the Galaxy Tour, wasn't it? Yeah. Or was that the Mazda? No, it was definitely the Galaxy, Ford Galaxy. Yeah, so we were travelling in a Ford Galaxy, everyone. Uh, five seats, uh, two, in the, uh, two in the middle. We had the middle section was an amp and food. I was snugged up in the back left-hand corner next to all our luggage and guitars, and Amy Can Fly kindly took some of our backline uh, in their van. But yeah, so did, some of the stories we weren't, we didn't, we weren't always with the Amy Can Fly guys, which is why the stories might not all include them. That's all. But yeah, Mark was there, yeah, and Mark he was definitely, definitely was there. on the night. He was definitely on the night out in Cardiff. Because we always, whenever we went to Cardiff, we always went to that bar called Live Lounge. Yes, um, yeah. And that was a that was a great uh, that was a busy bar. Um, I wonder if that's still there. We went back there a few times. Yeah, we've been back off tour, didn't we? When we went to see Less Than Jake yeah. and You Found Glory, we went to Live I'm Lounge. I'm so glad that you've said Less Than Jake because I was thinking we're about an hour into this podcast and we haven't mentioned Less Than Jake, which we do every single episode. But I was going <laughs> to shoehorn a reference in because for us playing Cardiff was a big deal because one of the first gigs we ever went to was Less Than Jake at the uh, the Great Hall, as it's called, yeah, the, the Cardiff yeah. um, Student Union. Uh and that was yeah, that was Cardiff in two thousand and three. So so getting to play Cardiff was like oh, fucking hell, like it's like come full circle sort of thing. Um so yeah, I'm really glad we got to play there. Yeah, were you as glad to play the sellers in Oxford? No, I was ready to go home at that point, <laughs> truly. Yeah, this, this I definitely uh, remember and this. That was that was a hard show. Yeah. It was it's just because the in, it wasn't in the- It wasn't like the end of the tour. But it was the end of the run because we were going home that night and then p- playing the last couple of shows like a day at a time. Um, yeah. And yeah, I could just remember just being so tired. And I guess we were, what, two weeks in at this point. And um, yeah, I can't remember a lot about it, but it was put on by Blaine Toms, my my yeah. evil twin. <laughs> um, so shout out to Blaine. I wonder what's Blaine up to these days? Like I don't, I've not heard anything from him for years. Um, but he put it on. It was called. Does anyone remember what the show was called? Because Blame would always give something a title. I don't know. The Bro Down oh, Showdown. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. what that gig was called. <laughs> um, which it is... was a really weird lineup because I had didn't have. Uh, was it Heart and Hammer on that? Show? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of built it as like. There was a lot of shows like this at that time that was kind of like pop punk versus hardcore type thing, and that was, yes. I guess, Blaine's bag. Um, I mean, I think it might have been one of the first times I've ever been to Oxford and I, I've never really had a very good time in Oxford, actually, like nights out. Um, obviously, Christy used to live there and I just found, I used to find it a very like stale like atmosphere, like on, on the nights out in, in Oxford. Don't know why. Just never a lot of atmosphere. We weren't partying. Remember... Were we? Sorry. We weren't partying this night, were we? No, because we drove home. And I think we, I don't know if we even stayed for the end of the show. I think we might have left early because we were looking to get back. Yes, yeah, because yeah. I, cause I was obviously with the Amy Can Fly boys in the van and we they had to wait because they were using part of Amy Can Fly's back line. Yeah, so yeah. they'd moved it around so everyone, Amy Can Fly was a bit earlier in the day and I think Hart and Ham were headlining. And I remember you, you guys went off 
and we had to stick around until the end of the show and literally grabbed the bits of backline that were there and then just legged it. Mm. There was no, I think probably 11 o'clock because everyone was just desperate to get home. I can remember yeah. a bit of like, not bad blood, but just like bitterness like around something to do with that as well. Like I think maybe we'd left them to pick up something of ours as well so that we could go. Oh yeah, yes. this, this, this definitely happened. We said, "Oh, can you also bring that with you?" I think it was. So, the what day of the mat. week was this? Was this? This was a Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday. So we drove home. I went to uni the next day. Ed, I think you probably worked the next day, right? Yeah, potentially. And then that evening, we drove back up to Southampton and played. Like, I know I joke about Hartlepool, but genuinely, this joiners gig was possibly the best gig. Yeah, it's the, it's the one that sticks out for me. It was incredible. No, I, th- I think because it was that was our local show, and I think it was just, it was filled with friends and then, and more, more some. It was, I think it was sold out. And the joiners is like an iconic venue, and we've been there a bunch anyway. So to, to play the joiners was always a, a, a privilege and a, a pleasure. And it just was, it was just like, a, it was like a homecoming. And it was just like, yes, this is it. Yeah. We all played well. We were tight because we were so, like from playing with each other every night, we were so tight by then. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, sound check wasn't even necessary by that point because we just knew all the settings. We were like, the cogs were turning and we just we just played really well. And it was just the whole crowd was singing along. It was It was as good as playing Bournemouth, which would have been our hometown show. So to play sort of, 40 minutes up the road and get the same response it felt sort of it it makes you feel good doesn't it i think a lot have been building to that because we had we developed quite a good following in southampton actually like that was always something that particularly with greg being at uni in southampton like i was always keen to make use of that i've just taken i've both sent you a photo because i've got all these photos of the crowd and you can just see how packed it is which this is a great conversation on an audio medium uh (laughs) Yeah, uh, but but actually, you can see that it, joiners is full. It is a packed show. Um, yeah, and like people are into it. It's crazy. I'm zooming in. I can see my cousin. There's Ben Richards there, not to be confused with Ben yeah, Pritchard. There's Aaron Cameron. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. it's crazy looking at that. Like, so good. It makes big... us rock stars. <laughs> Again, I've played. I've seen. Um, I've seen big bands play joiners to to smaller crowds than that. It is is crazy. But as I was saying, like whilst Greg was at uni, although there's George's dad in the crowd. <laughs> um, whilst Greg was at uni there, like we used to utilize that to try and like position ourselves as a Southampton band. And uh like we even used to lie on MySpace that we were based in Southampton, not Bournemouth, because at the time Bournemouth was shit for shows, or it, you, you 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 couldn't get very good Bournemouth shows. So that sort of like edged us in. And once we played our first Southampton show, we just kept getting them. And I think we played joiners maybe one or two times before this. And we played, um, do you remember when you made us really push Tom to play, uh, what did it used to be called on uh, Above Bar Street? Oh, but it, uh, Ham- oh Hamptons. Hamptons. Hamptons, that's show. right. And then Hamptons closed down Yeah. and it got moved to yes. unit, well, not unit 22, what became unit upstairs there. Yes. Um, and even though that wasn't like sold out or packed and it was, a, it was a fairly big room that they had upstairs there. It still helped cement us, I think as like a Bournemouth and Southampton band. So when we came to play joiners, yeah. that wasn't just us playing to um, 
the other band's crowd. Like there was a genuine turnout for us, and it, yeah, it was, um, it was insane. I mean, it was yeah, like I say, a big chunk of that crowd was there just for you guys. And Amy can fly's um, tour the driver. Um, so we'd oh. had Norris for the first half of the tour, oh, um, yeah. and then we'd had to. So we had Norris for the first half. So shout out to Norris. And then we'd swap because Norris had just got a gig with Yumi at six. Right, yeah. Uh, and then we had um, another driver, which was Tom, who, was it Tom? I can't, yeah, yeah Tom. anyway, it was Tom, wasn't it? Yeah. And he was so into your um, songs. And obviously then that gig went off. So he stage dived. Yeah. But obviously the crowd was was didn't catch him. And he just went <sighs> smash oh, onto the floor. God head first and then the uh after all the sets had finished we packed up had to take him to a and e and sat in southampton a and e whilst he got his head checked out back into tour manager mode <laughs> yeah it was it was one of those and he um he was all right they'd get they checked him out and they gave him a bunch of painkillers and it's just mild concussion but um yeah it, but it did it was that show properly went off and it was for everyone really you guys classic kid and amy can fly mm. um but it was everyone's crowd. There was another injury as well. Um, Charlie Anderson, you know, shout yes. out to Charlie if you're listening. Um, he got like part of his ear bit off in the pit. <laughs> I don't think it was like a, uh, a planned attack. Wait, um, I don't remember this injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, genuinely. He, he always talks about this. Like quite often if I post um, any memories from that gig, he, uh, yeah, he, he reminds me that he was... Um, yeah, brutally attacked in the pit. Um, I, I was, again, I don't think it was intentional. Um, what? Um, yeah. Just quickly, what this photo is showing, and we'll we'll post these on the Instagram Two Track Mind Pod. Oh, you've sent um, us another one, Tom. I've just realised oh, yeah. that you one more my, as well. My tour outfit, those jeans I wore every night to play in. Yeah, and they were just they were like s- solid by the end of it because they'd not been washed. <laughs> <laughs> you can just had about see black t-shirts on rotation i think yeah it was weird wasn't it like for some reason we decided to uh to dress really plainly on stage like i think before this we probably used to wear quite um sort of like uh like either like band t-shirts or big logos or that sort of thing like you always used to wear that police one that you had yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but we, for some reason by this tour we decided to wear like really plain clothes i for some reason decided after coming home for that one night and I had my tour beard to shave off most of the beard and leave a goatee. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but you can just about see it in this photo. Um, and I looked a bit yeah. like David Brent. Yeah. It was a bit Brentish <laughs> from the office. I'm sure I've got some better photos that will show off the, uh, the Brent look. Yes, I do. I have a, I have a cracking, I, I've got a perfect Brent photo. We're not going to post will, that. I'll one. send you now, Liam, that you can post. I've also sent you another mate. photo of Ed. That I think Ed looking the happiest he probably ever had in his life at that point in the pit. Just, I must have been a graduate doing exactly what we were saying earlier where um, Chris is playing guitar. Oh, you think that's the during the set? Oh, yes, look at the, the set. That's during, that's during the set. You've jumped in at that point because that, these are all photos in that, that period of the set. <laughs> Your face. Oh my um, God, I'm literally, I'm going mental in the pit. Good on me. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Hold on a second. If you look to the left, you can see Charlie Anderson, right? And it's not his ear that's been bitten. It's his head. There's a, there's a blood splat. Oh, yes, there is. There's the blood on his head. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mate, um, for a pop punk band, we went off. That's what that's what I see Leonard there, George's dad. We will post Leonard this punk. photo. Yeah, I saw George's sister in one of these taking photos. Good anyway, times. Uh, like it we can put these on the It was a shame we didn't uh, stay. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been a good yeah, night out. But we did you go home? I, d- I definitely went home. I wonder if this is the night that I might have stayed at Stu's place. Um, or did I stay with you, Clark? I can't remember. I, can't I, remember. I remember where I stayed now because I remember just being in A&E until like the early hours of the morning. We were some, I think we stayed somewhere in Southampton. I don't think we went all the way back to Dorset. Um, oh, God. Did we? Maybe I we just, did. I've just remembered. So I, do you remember I said... Um, when we met in Southampton at the beginning of the tour, when we went to Guildford, I drove my old Ford Fiesta up, me and McLeod, to meet the yeah. rest of you guys. And I left my car in Southampton. I drove it back after the show. And um, I drove Sam back, who I'd, I'd only been in a relationship with for about three months at this point. And the car broke down in um, Toys R Us car park by the station. Um, and I managed to I managed to get it moving again. Um, but this was, I think, the beginning of the end for that car. Uh, I still did about another year and a half in it, but it was definitely the beginning of it starting to fall apart. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Christ. But then the next day, we went back out again to Taunton, which was yeah, a really odd show. But it was all right. Like, I remember it being okay. Like, it wasn't a bad show. It wasn't, like, a great show. It was all right. I can't remember nice being excited you. for it. I think, no, I think it was, it was hard to top join us. After Southampton, it was, yeah, the problem is after Southampton, you've done that massive high and the rest of the shows are never going to live up to that. Yeah, it was all right. Um, I can't imagine that venue is well, there anymore. The Perfect, the perfect Fifth. Very odd name. Yeah. yeah. Probably the oddest Please. name of all the venues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> no one's going to argue with you, are they? <laughs> so then after that, the we went home. Day, we had a day off, and then we went up to Northampton. Hampton. Yeah, Northampton for the Saturday show, which again was all right. It was it was a it was a busy crowd. I did. I can't. It was that corner stage again, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was, was the, the bigger stage, room right. that hosted like your bigger bands. Uh, yes, because I remember really, sitting up there and really, thinking it was cool that um, Less Than Jacob played there. Oh, yeah. I think Muse might have been playing there around the same time, and I was there thinking, oh, bloody hell, Muse are playing this room. Um, would that have been when Muse were bigger? Anyway, or well, Muse had played that room, and I remember sitting up in the gods in the seating area that looked down onto the bigger room because we had access to it, and thinking, cool, this is a big old venue. And I, part of me thought, cool, if it sells well, will we get moved in here? <laughs> <laughs> I think you could have fit us and the whole crowd on the stage of the bigger room. That was the and size some. difference. And yeah. some, I reckon. This was also the show that my parents drove all the way up to. And they said huh? that they were going to come to one date on the tour, right? And I thought probably be joiners. Now, I remember being sat backstage, and we did have proper backstage rooms for this um, show because they basically gave us the backstage rooms that the bands would have had for the, for the big room. But I yep. remember Greg coming back and saying your parents are out there. And I was like, yeah, I know. He's like, how do you know? I was like, they're going to come to one date and this is the last date. So <laughs> of course they're here. Um, but that was a nice thing for them to do. And I was glad that it was a busy show. And you're right. I don't think we played that well. I think we were probably past it at that point. Again, 
um the uh the, i think the joiners had just that had, that had been the peak and then uh it was uh it was just a slow cruise to the end wasn't it um, yeah i don't, I don't I remember think, much else about it i i think i'd bought a leather jacket during the day and i think that was the first time i'd worn this leather jacket and i just remember that's all i remember really it was a brown leather jacket from H&M. I remember it well. It didn't suit me, but I, I persisted with it. And that's, that's, I remember getting, because the stage, the, the barriers of the stage had the little steps. And I remember when I dropped the guitar for the last song, I do remember standing on that and feeling very like I'm at a, like I'm coming over the barrier. I'm stood higher than the crowd. Yes, yes. But other than that, I don't remember it being a particularly great gig. I think it was like your earth was a song. Video moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it was a bit disjointed, wasn't it? Because we went home and then we had a couple of days off, and then we drove all that way. So it, it kind of, even though it was on the same tour, it wasn't like part of the same trip, was it? Really? So it was a little bit disjointed. But um, did you come to this gig, Clark? No, I missed. I didn't come to this one. I can't remember why I didn't come. That's why it wasn't as good. That's why I wasn't yeah. there. Lost the magic. Yeah, you just yeah, you you out after Taunton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was enough. Wow, oh, I think we've reached yeah. the end of the tour then. Well, it was, a, it was a, a, you know, I so I think we say it all the time when we mention the band, but it really was like some of the best times of my life being with you guys in the van and just playing shows. And even if it, you, you didn't get a response, you know, it was what you made of it and some of the the, the random experiences that we, you know might come at another show maybe or or my bloody autobiography one day when i you know when i'm on death's door and i'll you know tell some of the other stories that happened but you know they are just some of the best moments of your life it's just you're doing you're in a band like you're obsessed by music and you're playing music to people it was just it was insane it's funny like i think like not long after we um it sort of came to an end with that band. I think I felt very um, disappointed that we hadn't done more. But now, like years later, I look back and I'm so glad, as you say, that we got to do that because it could have very easily not happened. Do you know what I mean? We could have just ended up being that local band that plays and, and not even played Southampton. So it was it was good to get a, a feel for what that touring life would be like. And in some ways, and I think we spoke a bit about this at the time, Tom, which is like realizing that fucking hell, like if you really want to make a go of this and make it a career, like it's not an easy thing to do. It's a hard slog, particularly on those tours where you are roughing it. Like we, we had a hotel, maybe I can't remember what we said there, maybe three or four of the nights, the rest of the nights we're like scrambling around trying to find somewhere to stay. It's good crap. You've really got to commit to it. And it is, it's good fun. And the thing is, well, you, you see place you would never see before. Like when would you ever have gone to Hartlepool? or Doncaster. I know. Like, you just wouldn't. There's nothing that's the, going to take you to those places. The funny thing is, like, Sam and I have found ourselves doing that, like, just driving around now and just doing, like, a few little cities and, like, a few off-towns, like, in between. And it's got that same spirit of doing, like, the, the tour and, and, and seeing the different places, but the difference being that you don't have to be um, stuck at sound check or whatever for, like, three or four hours so you actually see places. But, um, yeah, I've never been back to Doncaster or Hartlepool, though. I don't imagine I will. And I don't no, think it'll happen back you, now you, after yeah, I said you, that. 
Well, I've just said this, yeah. <laughs> you get to the gates of Doncaster or Hartlepool and they are going to be there with pitchforks. Yeah. But um, but I think, you know, that's that's the, the great thing with doing touring where, you know, when you're early in a band, I guess, is you get to go to a place you wouldn't get to go to otherwise. You get to uh, meet random people, which is the key thing you kind of remember. Um, and realise, well, the people is amazing, I guess, that people will come to a show that you've never met before. Because when you're a local yeah. band, like you probably know most of the crowd to a degree. That's a good point. There's yeah, there's like those kind of like stages, isn't there? Like you play the local shows to your friends, then you play to some other people that you don't know, and that's like the first moment when you're like, "Fuck, wow, this is this is working." But then to go to another town and people show up, like either to see the headline band or whatever, but that they stick out, stick around, and or or they come early to see your band, like it's yeah. It's incredible, and, and and to go back to some of those towns after, as we did, and for the same people to show up again, it's just, it's only the beginning of it, isn't it? But it's um, yeah, it's an incredible thing to yeah. To we were we, we we were very lucky to be uh, friends with the guys and Amy can fly who kindly took us on two tours, um, but like you said, we went back to some of these towns and cities on our own backs, and still, like you said, still managed to gather, you know they sort of gave us a foot in the door, but I do think that we were quite fortunate that we all got along and we were able to sort of produce some decent shows on that tour that sort of, um, you know, I'm proud of, proud of what we did in the band, in our relatively small band. In a relatively short amount of time as well. Like, obviously we were in bands beforehand, but when you really think about it, from the time that you joined, it was only like maybe the space of like two years that we did all this yeah. stuff in and it was just that we'd done so much in the build-up to that that by the time we put that outfit together of the four of us and then you like we were ready to go out and do this other stuff and take it to the next step yeah yeah cool that was good fun <laughs> the thing yeah, is I'm after glad. this now i'm gonna feel really depressed because i this happened to me the other day i was going through my external <laughs> hard drive looking at loads of photos and for like an hour or two i was like this is amazing and i was like just, just caught up in the nostalgia and then when i like kind of like stepped away and like reminded myself oh shit like we're in a lockdown and there's still this pandemic going on like it's a bit of a uh it's a bit of a flashback to reality but um no thanks guys i enjoyed that that was good fun um do you want to stick around and talk about some new releases yeah, yeah. Cool, then. yeah. oh clark sorry probably not me <laughs> i assumed you would do yeah i think you've uh, got well, to stick around I, Ed, right can we first of all just say a, a couple of happy birthdays please of course you can so happy birthday John Travolta. He's the one Does that John I John Travolta want. count as a music artist? Mate, he's had a number one hit. More than yeah, you. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, also, he shares his birthday with, I think, two of the biggest stars you can think of in the world of music. John Travolta will be celebrating today. He would have, banged, he would have got WhatsApp up and he would have had a little notification from Yoko Ono and Dr. Dre. <laughs> what a party <laughs> that would be. <laughs> that would be a serious party. You'd have Yo- Yoko, born in 1933. Wow. Yeah. That's she lived through the war. Yeah, that's, that's always the go-to when someone's... No wonder she wanted war to be over when they did that song of John Lennon. Yeah, so um, happy birthday, Dr. Dre, Yoko, and uh, John Travolta. Wow, what a line-up. Um, You'll probably add it in some happy birthday music there, will you? <laughs> I can't promise anything. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, and on a sadder note, um, and this is this actually is really sad. Um, Why are you laughing? 
Well, I said, because I just realised I should have probably waited, but now I've started oh. it, and it's not big enough to. Well, it is big. This time, this day in 1990, Queen were given um, the Outstanding Contribution to Music Award uh, at the Brits, and it was Freddie Mercury's last appearance on oh. um, last um, ever appearance in public. So that is mental in it. That's very sad. Um, so maybe I do Yoko still want to go John on with the podcast, though. So <laughs> yeah, but maybe Yoko, John, and Doctor Dre won't be celebrating all that much because they might know that fact as well. Yeah, I can imagine that's put a downer on their birthday for years. <laughs> yeah, every time they open, happy birthday! Ah, but nineteen years ago, uh, Freddie Mercury made his last guest appearance, didn't he? So, uh, oh fuck off! Every year, every year. That was Yoko there. <laughs> Clark, do you have any new releases for us? Um, so the only one I've been listening to, it's a bit not quite out yet, the new Nerf X album. So a couple of tracks have come out for that. Oh, so if you've listened okay. to those. We've not talked about that yet. Yeah, so the album comes out uh, next week. And I've the, the name of it has suddenly gone blank on me. Uh, but two of the tracks have already Single. come out, which is... Thank you. Single. Thank you. They, they did like um, Fuck Euphemism. Um, which is quite good, and uh, like a, a sort of uh, not really cover, the but sequel, a, sort of a, yeah, to um, yeah, yeah, sequel to Lo- there you go. yeah, the sequel, um, which Linoleum. is very good and quite funny, yeah, that's very good. It's a really interesting um, listen, isn't it? Because you, it's yeah. like it kind of follows it, and it's got like moments, and you feel like you're listening to the original song, but then it like it diverts onto something else, and you're like, okay, so it's some of like the same chord patterns and stuff, but then it's not quite the same like even the melody does the same thing like there's like lines that are the same and then others that it's just totally different well it, it, it's a trick yeah but have you read why he's done it because so, so many it, people it, cover it yeah yeah because so many people cover it and he just spent a whole like evening watching all these covers and like not understanding why they you know why they're covering the, this song that didn't really get like it wasn't a single never had a video doesn't yeah, have a chorus covers of it it's a good point. A like chorus. it is one of those like go-to Nerfex songs, but I don't really know why. I don't. I don't necessarily think it's like one of their best. No, it, ju- it no, just I, kind of. I might you that as well. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the whole point of what but, he's saying, isn't it? I also enjoy the section in it where he t- references the fact his daughter's read their autobiography. You guys so read Nerfex autobiography. Did you hear oh. the most recent podcast? Ed, Ed listened some, to it some, too. Someone's not up to date on the podcast, are they? <laughs> No, I'm I'm well behind all my podcasts. It's not an expectation that you, if you come on the show, that you're up to date. No, no, don't I've worry. Just, I've just done the audio book, Clark. Um, I don't know if you read Very it or good. did the audio, but the audio. I, I read was... the actual physical book, but the audio book has been good. Oh God, they all they read the chapters them as themselves, obviously. Do, oh, I, I think harrowing was your one word review, wasn't it? Um, but I, I said if I'd read the book, I probably wouldn't have completed it. But listening to it, I was able to get through it. Uh, I mean, I, I actually borrowed it. It was it's Stu's book, and I've had it for yeah. ages, and I read it a while back. It's so good, though. It's so – I mean, they've led a, led a life. Some of the stuff they got up to in the early part of their career was yeah. dicey. I didn't give any details. I didn't give any details. <laughs> People who listened to the last episode are like, we really wish he told us some stuff. Tom Clark comes on. Oh, that's interesting. He's going to talk about the tour. Gets to the, <laughs> the new music. Fuck, good. He's going into more detail about that book that Crawley didn't say anything about. Um, can I give a slight 
uh, take on these tracks. They weren't down as my new releases, but I thought both of them weren't great. I, I wasn't overly keen on that um, that second one, fuck uh, euphemism. Uh, it didn't have any sticking points for me. The linoleum one, I can sort of imagine in my head, but the second one I thought was a bit like, meh. Um, which is odd because I, I listened to a, um, a podcast with Fat Mike and he said they had like 50-odd tracks and they whittled it down to 13 or something. And I was like, oh, right, okay. But I think it might be the case that they don't want to like drop the two biggest tracks off the album. So I'm hoping for more because No Effects are a band that I, I do listen to. Um, but yeah, I like the concept behind the uh, linoleum um, sort of the, the the tribute to it. I thought it was a cool concept. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the album in full. I'm hoping for, for more. When's it, when's it due? Uh, next week. Next ah, okay. Friday, I think it is. So... There's a lot of stuff that's come out of the gate at the beginning of the year, isn't there? And I don't know if it's because it's stuff that people were sat on from last year, but it's been a really strong well, start. I've got a couple of albums yeah. I'd like to talk about. One is one is from March 27th, uh, 2020. <laughs> 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 yeah, the, someone sat on one. And the other is from October the 9th, 2020. Okay. Um, okay. Better yeah, late than I, never. Well, one of the albums, I'll, I'll discuss them as a pair, right? Because they fall in the same genre. Um, and seeing as you mentioned, Stu lending you the um, NoFX uh, autobiography, um, it was him who actually said, how come you haven't listened to one of these albums yet? And I was like, oh, I'll give it a listen, then I'll give it a listen. Um, and it made me listen to the other album. So the album he recommended that I'd definitely go and check out was uh, by a band called Get Dead, and the album's called Dancing with the Curse. Um, they're on Fat Wreck, and as a bit of a... Uh, they're sort of, I guess... I guess you'd say they were scar punk, but there's a sort of street punk, folk punk sort of vibe to it in the same you know, sense of, like, leftover crack, um, that sort of vibe, sort of the, the, the sort of the scar punk without the horns. Um, they're from San Francisco um, and he was like you need to check out this album and Fat Mike says it's the best album that Fat Wreck put out last year it's his favourite album that they put out they came to him with an album because he was an executive producer on it and he told him to go away he said it's shit and they rewrote the whole album and Fat Mike says it's the best decision I've ever made because then they produced the album of the year Um so I was like, I was keen to listen to it anyway. I just, I don't know why I hadn't ever got round to it. And Sam King, the vocalist, real cool, like husky vocals to it. And, you know, the type of, I don't know if he does smoke, but the type of thing that you've got to be like dragging on 40 cigarettes a day to sort of develop that sort of tone to it. It's like a real cool, punky tone. Um, but an outstanding album. I was so pleased I got recommended it because I've, I've binged it quite a lot on my runs and stuff. Um, it's got so much pace to it. And for, let's be honest, a genre that has got a lot of the, a lot of bands, a lot of punk bands dipping and out of it, you know, like even bands like the Lawrence Arms or, you know, no effects, they, they have that occasional sort of scary riff to them. It's a, it's a, it's a genre that really has, I know it's, it's sort of coming back into the, fashion almost again which is awesome but it's definitely 
it's hard to find something that's really fresh, but this definitely mm. had that sort of vibe to it. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I loved a track called Confrontation on that. So for the, maybe for the playlist, we'll shove that on. But an album that I then thought, I went on to the actual Fat Rec website, ran like to see what else they'd done last year. Cause I was like, oh, that's really good. I really enjoyed that. And the album that came out in March was the Suicide Machines new album, uh, Revolution Spring, which if we hadn't already mentioned less than Jake, I would now because Roger, it was recorded and mixed at Moat House. Um, and dear God, that is an album. Um, I was just, I was like, I don't know why I haven't listened to this before now. Because it's literally in the last like two months that I've listened to it. And it was the album I was going to review in a previous episode, but we never got round to it. And that is bang. Like that is just energetic. It's it's politically charged, which they've always sort of done, I guess. Um, and a couple of the albums they had in the middle after their big album, the first album, which really they achieved so much with that first album. And then it was going to be difficult to live up to that. And they sort of went away for a bit and they've come back with this just pure ska punk album, but they're just, they're just the most insane musicians. Like the bass is silly. It's just stupid. And it's so pacey. And his vocals, Jason Navarro, they're just, he can do melodic. He can shout a bit. He's got that punky tone. So yeah, two albums. They're the two albums I've sort of binged over the last month, uh, Get Dead and Suicide Machines. Not new releases, but two albums I would definitely check out if you're into the the punk or the ska punk genre. You mentioning um, Suicide Machines reminded me to go and check that out, actually, because I hadn't listened either. And I was curious because of how well you'd uh, rated it, but also because I was interested in hearing um, what Roger had done on the production. Um, I, I've not ever been a, a particularly big Suicide Machines fan, but um, yes, yeah, it, it sounded great. I, I didn't... Um, I didn't stop listening because uh, I didn't enjoy it. I was enjoying it. I came to the end of my walk and I like, got about halfway through and I haven't remembered to go back, but what I heard, I did enjoy. What I will what I will say about Roger on this is, I don't know what involvement he had in the songs, but in terms of how it sounds, I would, this is a massive claim. It, bearing in mind, Less Than Jake sent theirs to the blasting room, all right? Mm-hmm to be done by uh, Jason Livermore, um, who is, you know, iconic, phenomenal. Blasting Room, uh, co-owned by Bill Stevenson of The Descendants, ultimately the biggest punk band of, of, you know, of all time. Um, This is as good a listen as that Lesson Jake album, in my opinion, Samwise. It's phenomenal. It suits the 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 tone of the album as really well. Roger has done a really, really good job. This will be an album that will attract more business to Roger. A hundred percent. If it was crap, I'd just yeah. say because it doesn't it doesn't change how I feel about Lesson Jake as a bassist in a band. Like some guys have done albums or produced them or mixed them and you go, ah, they're better as a lead singer or they're better as a drummer. Whereas this is silly. It's so good. Roger's done a fact. And we don't, it's not something we normally talk about in these reviews or rundowns, whatever you want to say. But considering it's Roger from Lesson Jake, I will just hats off to him. It, it sounds great. It's a really great sounding album. I think, um, as you say, like it's if it sounds as good, it's probably because they they could have probably just put out um, either of the Lesson Jake albums that Rog uh, 
did at the Moat House. I think part of the reason why they send it on is to have that other pair of ears on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because because they don't really have a producer in the studio with them when they're making the record. It's sort of just, it's almost like a sense check for them, isn't it? But you're absolutely right. I think if they just put it out, because you think the rehasher and the Greenhorn stuff, is the finish on those has, has been great as well. Yeah. I think it's just having that next pair of ears. Um, no, I, I, I will check out the rest of it. Um, it's It was a good start to the album. I got to listen to them as well. I, I think it's a really interesting thing, though, that checking out uh, record labels and going to Fat Rec and see what they've done, because going back a few years, I'd have done the same. I mean, look at exactly what's coming out of Fat Rec, what's coming out of Epitaph. I now rely way too much on my Spotify algorithm to tell me what's coming out, and I yeah, realise so how much I miss out. <laughs> We're always how, talking how about that. How much I miss out on. Yeah, release really I, I, I need... I don't. I don't think I've ever been on the Fat Rec website ever before. I don't know what led me to go on there. It definitely you know. was the way that we used to do it back in the day. I, I thought I could. Um, yeah. I don't know if we've got it on our sort of uh, wish list of episodes or you know our brainstorm of episodes that we've done, but uh, that we're going to possibly do. But I, I think um, label rosters would be a really good episode to do, um, yeah. and just yeah. and just go through some and and not even just like the label generally but labels at a certain time period because there's some that have been really good for like a few years and then you've got fat wreck yeah, that like is drive, kind of drive been... i think drive through early 2000s is like a prime one fueled by ramen sort of mid 2000 2006 there's an hour and a half in this clark let's not yeah. run it down the two seconds <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. you might not be here for that one <laughs> yeah. um so well, it's interesting you up for the next one text us <laughs> in text in text in Right. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of labels, um, that's a really good segue, actually, because a label that's doing really well at the moment is uh, Dirty Hit, which is the label that 1975 kind of came from. And then obviously they were upstream to a major. And I assume they're doing a similar thing with some of the other artists on that label. But we talked about um, uh, Japanese House, Ed, if you remember. Uh, we quite enjoyed that EP that they put yeah, out yeah. Um, recently. Yeah. And I, I like the album that came before that but another band from that label that i've been um sort of like paying casual attention to is, is pale waves and i was kind of late to it and i sort of like got into the first album a bit late but the new album's just dropped and i think i talked about one of the singles on a recent episode the album yeah. came out last week i fucking love it and clark you are gonna love it as well like it'll be right up your street i think you might enjoy it ed but definitely clark and i keep thinking like i need to message greg about it because it is somehow okay they've managed to and and they've changed up their sound a little bit but they seem to have taken the best of like avril lavigne michelle branch like kelly clarkson from like that breakaway album era just quickly i'll start you there all right i've seen kelly clarkson live mate i was front row <laughs> loved that first avril lavigne album and yet i'm not gonna like this you're texting greg you're no, texting I clark s- you're in a group with them <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I said you might might like it. I don't know. I don't want you to get your hopes up and you don't enjoy it. But it is no, so of that era. <laughs> it's so of that era. But I, I, I don't know how they've managed to do it in such a way that it, there's so many bands. If they'd done this, you'd think it was tacky. Like they, they just like kind of like made a throwback album. But they've done it somehow in such a way that's so fresh. And I don't know if it's because they've taken a little bit of what they set up with on the first album and then applied it to that genre. but. It's just track after track, absolute bangers. It, it, it's it's my album okay. of the year and it's what? It's uh, it's February. Um, so I was really pleased with that. 
because I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, the, the, the singles are really good. And I was thinking could just be strong singles, but no, it's, it's a great album start to finish. Um, and the other album that uh, came out recently was the Foo's record. Have you, have you listened to that yet? Yes, I have. I didn't know if we were going to have time for this because that is ultimately quite a big album, isn't it? Well, interestingly, I don't know because it's quite light. It's only nine tracks in length. And it, it kind I, I, of I, breezes by. Stature, the, uh, being a Foo Fighters album, it feels like it warrants a bit more time. What, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts before I even give you mine. I don't have an awful lot to say about it, actually. Other than, I really like what they've gone for with it, and the f- opening track. I think it's called "Making a Fire," or "Starting a Fire," probably "Making a Fire." F- for me, is a good um, sort of like mission statement for the album of, of what they were planning to do, and I think it then goes straight into "Shame, Shame," and we talked about that on a previous episode, and I like what they've done with that track as well. The only thing that I felt as it was getting further through the album is that. I feel like they, the vibe that they were going for, at some points, they kind of buckled under the idea a little bit and reverted back to playing it safe with Foos. And there's some really interesting stuff. I think it's an album of verses. Like, I think the verses are really, really strong and really interesting. And when it gets to the chorus, the chorus is still like a strong chorus, but it's not as interesting at all. Um, so I'm... I'm I did enjoy it. Like I, I'm, I, I can't say I didn't enjoy it. Um, I just almost wish that they'd gone a little bit more all out with the idea that they clearly had, which was this almost um, sort of like groovier kind of like almost disco infused sort of sound. Um, so I, I, I did enjoy it. And I think it was, it was an improvement on the last record for me, which I, I thought was a, a bit uninteresting compared to the previous two records that they'd done. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so I listened to the whole thing and I'm not sure I'll be able to listen to it again. I found it, I don't know, I, I, I swear I had an interview, I might be I might be making this up, but he said, oh, it's got one of the heaviest tracks we've ever wrote on it. And I was like, well, which one is it then? You're going to have to tell me. Like, We're going to need some more information here, Dave, because... Unless he means that No Son of Mine track, which has got like three guitars and they're all doing something different. If he means heavy in terms of contribution to the song, that they're all doing a lot in it. But put it this way, Shame, Shame is one of the better tracks on it for me. Bearing in mind I wasn't keen on it as a straight single. You are right, Making a Fire sort of does tee the album up. And I quite like that Making a Fire track, but I, I, I found... Like you, in a, in a way, what you said, it got a bit weaker as the album went on. You know, they, I, they yeah, I to the I, more, like the random sort of the twiddly guitars rather than the riffs. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I will listen again. But I, it wasn't, I wasn't weaker for me as it went on. It just it just wasn't as I wasn't as sort of like blown away by it. I just I just thought it was kind of. Yeah, it was just foos by numbers a, a little bit. And, and and I just wonder whether they just didn't quite have the confidence to really go completely out there and potentially alienate an audience. And I just think, I guess this is like for us, I mean, obviously we've not been there right from the beginning, but we've we've definitely listened to foos for 20 years, haven't we, of, yeah, of albums. Yeah, and I think at that point for an artist like that that have achieved so much, you're kind of happy for them to just, try something different 
and if it doesn't matter if it doesn't it doesn't work out it doesn't matter um i just yeah i i and again a bit like we've said with some other albums recently i wish it was a few more tracks longer yeah 36 minutes i recall i get i, I, I get I why bands are that. trying to go for this sort of like cut out the you know the weight of an album and, and just go for the stronger stuff but i think sometimes stronger tracks are like a matter of opinion but that's i think it's more a commercial decision of going for shorter songs shorter albums to get more streaming revenue i mean that's the cynical side of me that just goes bands are thinking more in that way and that's leading to these shorter albums yeah we talked a little bit about this before because we were saying like Albums were obviously a certain length because it was whatever fit on two sides of vinyl, wasn't it? Yeah. Then it became like the CD length. And then that was when you started getting all the bonus tracks and all the secret tracks and all that sort of things because yeah. bands could go to town. And you kind of got a lot of like um, additional sort of fat on the albums. And, and some of it was just filler or, or just, you know, whatever. But I think now that, yeah, because CDs aren't the format that they're going for, I don't think it's necessarily because they're trying to fit it on one final because i think they know that if they did a double final that people would buy yeah. it i think it's, it's almost like they can do less and then do another nine tracks in 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 a year's time rather than do another 14 tracks in four years time yeah the, the release schedule is that much shorter now in terms of you don't have an 18 month two-year album cycle anymore it's you know six month 12 month album cycles really yeah. I'm sure you've, you've probably talked about it before. I think the really interesting one is the uh, Charlie XCX and what she's talked around in terms of how she writes music now to mm. be, you know, just over two minutes in length for a, a song and to be putting out stuff almost constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, I mean, on that note, there's a new Green Day track dropping and it's literally a year this month since the last Green Day album. But we, well, if, you, if you go back and listen to episode two of the podcast, we did talk about this other Green Day album that supposedly they were sat on. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how long this track and this album that they're now building up to has, has been in existence. Um, yeah, I'm the, the, the model's definitely shifted. Sorry, Ed. which is a you know, which is a, is a shame in some parts. But you do think a band like Foo Fighters can afford to sort of break the mold? They don't. They don't need the revenue. <laughs> You know, they they could have put an album out that was two 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 hours long, and it would have still gone on Spotify, and and fans would have still listened to it. And that's what you want from that sort of band. To to your point, I think around you want them to experiment and grow and try different things. And they are you know established guys who've been around a long time to really just that they're very talented. Use all that talent to do something different. Yeah, I think that's replicate yourself. That's what I really liked about the the Sonic Highways album in particular is that that, yeah. that was a, that was a concept album in a way. And I think it in, in, in many ways it got overlooked. I think unless you kind of dug in and watched the documentary and, and sort of followed it track by track, I, I don't think it got quite near the sort of um, sort of airplay or anything that the other tracks did because they were longer sort of like almost like concept album songs, as I say. Um, yeah. Who, who knows? But I, I mean, I enjoyed it enough as a listen. I was, I was happy enough with it. But um, yeah, definitely that first track, though, that was the, for me, that was my favorite for sure. Whilst we're talking about business models and we've got Clark on the call, Clark, what, what the hell do you think about um, uh, the new uh, Taylor Swift's re recorded stuff? Because obviously that, that's been in the works for a while, but the first stuff's dropped, oh, hasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the music's great. I mean, you know, the actual music is is great. I think it's a really, in terms of business models, it's really interesting. In terms of, do you see more artists do this to get control of their masters if they even can? Yeah, because the reason she's not been able to do it until now is her original contract wouldn't let her. Um, so there's there's a clause in there that says you can't re-record the music. I mean, the, the band that springs to mind up until this point that had done something similar, completely different genre, was A Day to Remember. They released mm-hmm. the old record, and that was a re-recording their first album because the original label went out, um, went bust, and they re-recorded it in two days because Victory Records wanted a new one to do. So it's a completely different scenario. But... Um, yeah, the the actual f- the fight that's happened between her and um, the private equity companies now is really interesting because there's so much money in it. There's so much yeah. money in poor, poor people buying up um, uh, masters. There's a there's even a, a FTSE two fifty or three fifty um, company that all it's just a pure. Is it called uh, hypno- hypnosis? Hypnosis yeah, are they the guys plant? that bought the um, bought Shakira's? Stuff? Yes, that's it. Most recently, they yeah. bought Shakira's stuff. We were talking so, about yeah, this, weren't all, we? Because we were talking about Bob Dylan do, as well. Yeah, they bought, bought some of them. All they do is buy up masters because they just see it as a long term stream that they can then manage. Um, yeah. And there's questions over their business model around the dividend because it's seen as an income investment. Um, but you know, streaming is only going to generate more revenue over the next five to ten years. Yeah, they're then looking at licensing deals, other things you can do. But if uh, artists can turn around and do what Taylor's done, um, then that's going to depreciate the value of the original recordings. Yeah. So, do you? Um, but in in terms of the music itself, I mean, as a re-recording, is it? Because I've not listened to it. Is it sort of faithful to the original, or is she kind of done it in her modern style? Broadly faithful. I think that there there are subtle differences to it. But it, it, but it, she has updated it a little bit. Okay. Um, but not so far from the original that you go, well, this is a completely different song. Yeah. It, it's cl- it's close enough to be you would listen to that instead of the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but will you, as you as a fan, would, will you listen to the new stuff instead, like in in like a Spotify yeah, playlist? I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna have to I'll, I'll ask me in a couple of months. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> I, I don't I generally don't know in terms of. Well, I mean, the one I'm the, the, my two favorite albums of hers are um, "Speak Now" and "1989," um, and particularly the "Speak Now," the, the deluxe edition is one of my favorite albums. And I think when she records that and that gets released, I'll be interested. Ed's now having a little laugh to himself, eh? It's just the, the deluxe the deluxe edition is uh, is your favorite because uh, an album I've tracks. It's the bonus Mate, tracks. It's the bonus the, tracks on it. An album from a, a previous episode, uh, the Lars. Um, always listening to that deluxe version because they've got acoustics songs at the end of it. It's a lovely. I forget it's there, and then suddenly, oh, lovely, lovely. <laughs> no, um, it, it is in terms of some of those tracks are so good on there, you just don't realise, um, and then you kind of get into them and you. You could miss them if you didn't have it in a, like a bonus uh, edition. Sorry, going off topic there. No, 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 no it's good. I, I can't imagine. You know, I, I, I've never got into Taylor. Not, 
don't dislike it. I just never got into her stuff. Um, I don't think you're much of a fan, Ed, are you? So I think we've 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 pleased our Taylor Swift um, fans who might be listening. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so stop tweeting us, Jesus. Yeah, just. <laughs> Just every week, what are you going to say about these new Taylor Swift recordings? It's like we don't know. <laughs> um, what about the vinyl? Are you going to buy new vinyl, or are you um, are you done with that no, collection? I'm, gra- I'm done with the va- the problem I found. So I at one point had every single Taylor vinyl when it was only a single pressing, and now it's gone the same way as everything. Got it's got multiple pressings of all of her releases. So I've gradually got rid of most of the stuff I had, and it was some of it was going for silly silly money. So I had the um, the CMA version of Red and got rid of that because it was just ridiculous what people were um, paying for it. And you can't, for me, once there's multiple pressings coming out left, right, and centre, that's it. I'm, I'm done collecting. Hmm. Yeah, it bothers me actually. That should we finish up? I think finish it up there. That's uh, you know, if you like multiple pressings of vinyl, please let us know. You can uh, you can text in, uh, ring us. Um, contact us on the Carrier socials. Pigeon. We are smoke signal pigeon. Um, if you're going to use the conventional ways, your bores like Twitter and uh, Instagram, uh, we are Two Tracked Mind Pod, or you can find us on Facebook under two, just search Two Tracked Mind. We've got the uh, the page there, and we've got um, the what are they called group. The group, that's it, the group. Uh, tough word to remember there, Edward. Um, and we've got the group under Two Track Mind, as it's now called. You're still our brainies, the brain trust, but it's just so it's easier for you to find. We are Two Track Mind. Um, but yeah, um, Clark, have you got anything you'd like to plug? <laughs> so you can find me on the socials at Tom K. Clark on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so you'll find any random stuff I'm doing on there. If you want to put a face to a name. Uh, I'm at Run With Ed as always on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Cool, and I'm at Liam Toms and uh, LiamToms.com. Wow, I I think when it comes to it, I, I, we had a, a brief moment where the TV went a bit berserk, as you might recall, uh, about an hour and a half ago. But I, I think that could almost be our longest episode yet. But it's been it's been really good to uh, to reminisce and to have you on the show, Tom. Will you come back? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Hope to come back uh, anytime. Discuss that with me first, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> just seeing that he's willing, you know. <laughs> of course, he's willing. He's loved it. No, it's been really good. Um, it's it's funny actually. Uh, somewhere in the archives is the uh, sort of pilot podcast that the three of us did um, many moons ago when we were setting up a intricate industries uh, or the return of the intricate industries podcast, and we did like a yes. two hour conversation about record store day. That's somewhere. Yeah, we um, did an, in Ed's flat in Alan Chime, wasn't that's it? That's right. Was that your, and we had a lovely calzone yeah. from uh, Demario. <laughs> yes, we did. But that's another story. So uh, we'll leave it there, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening and goodbye for now. Bye. Bye. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of hot. Man, I wish I'd won the best. Jesus Christ. All right, so I'm going to have to do this because all bands do it. We got T-shirt upstairs for like six quid. But if you come chat to one of us, I'm sure we'll do them for six quid. Maybe six quid. Uh... Another band, awesome band that played earlier, Coyote Drive. Also have t-shirts. Every band that played tonight Uh, has been wicked. So uh, let's hear it for them. But that's not all we should hear Susie One came all the way from Newcastle. All the way from Newcastle.
There's another guy who is just a little bit awesome. His name is Sir Thomas of Clark. Where is he? Tom Clark, where are you? Are you down here? Oh, fuck, man. Come here. Just come on, step. Tom! 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 This next song, this next song is dedicated to him because he, we give him so much shit and yet he takes it all. Sound guy Rob, this is the one where the backing track needs to go up. This is the cover. This is a pumping tune. We wrote this about 18 years ago. Tom was like two years old, but he wrote this song. I want to see some people dancing. We 